live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And also joining us in studio, he is the senior sports editor of the ODPH. And if we are ever talking Superman, you know he is in attendance as well. He's a mild fan. Just to say the least. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach. Coach Duffy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm already in love with this show. I mean, I know we're going to get into it in the second segment, but uh, I, I cannot help but hide my, I can't hide my uh, infatuation with this show. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to deep dive into that and so much more. So we definitely want you to join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts. You can find the T Public store. You can find links to everywhere this podcast is being offered at because we know there's been some technical difficulties and we're just hoping that everything gets resolved very shortly. So wherever you're listening to the show, you can definitely find it at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH or even throw an ODPH pod. We're going to try that one out too as well. But let us waste no more time. Let's go right into the topics and kicking off this edition of the podcast you know we are talking WandaVision. Yeah. The biggest show on the planet. Uh-huh. This is Literally. facts. This is facts. I yeah. mean, at least the uh, biggest uh, hex on the East Coast for uh, sure. Ah, uh, I see what see you what did, you did there. there. Well played, sir. Yes, WandaVision is setting all types of records for the most watched show of 2021. And Soon streaming. to have the most played song on Spotify, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's a kudos to Marvel slash Disney for coming out with, like, the song of 2021 in <laughs> February. Yeah. I Legitimately, I've been waiting all weekend for that song to drop on Apple Music. And as soon as I did, I downloaded it and put it on repeat for, like, an hour. <laughs> this show has just taken over. And I think when it first was announced that Wanda Maximoff, played by Elizabeth Olsen, and Paul Bettany were going to be repri- uh, playing the Vision, were going to be reprising their roles from the Avengers franchise, I don't think anybody thought the show would be as big as it is. I My my expectations were tempered just because I didn't know what we were going to get from a Marvel right, show. Right. But when they, my, what got me hyped and like really had me buy into it was like when Feige, you know, did the presser and was like, this show is setting up our entire next phase of films. I was like, this has got a lot of weight on that. Oh, like yeah. this, this has got to, this has got to hit. Because if it doesn't hit, then Marvel is going to take. I mean, they were taking a huge risk. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. having this be the next f- setup for all their films. Like if this doesn't land, you know, what happens to Marvel? You know, and I mean, I mean yeah, it's essentially Iron Man one two point right? Yeah. Where Iron Man one was the jumping off point for the entire MCU. You know, obviously Avengers Endgame and Far From Home to a, to a certain degree is kind of the bookend. Now you look at it where because of the pandemic and everything going on and things have been delayed, this wasn't originally going to be the initial jumping off point for the entire next phase and the entire next chapter, I guess you could say, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
but that's the way it worked out. So like coach, there was a lot of pressure on this and I expected it to do great at the outset. I mean, we look at the Mandalorian and, and the numbers that they were talking about when that first came out, but then the numbers kind of dipped down a little bit and you see that with a lot of TV shows. Oh, sure. Monster debut, monster numbers. And then it kind of tuppers down and it goes down with it. No, it's still going strong. Like I woke up Friday morning when the episode dropped and I saw Disney plus down trending on Twitter and I went, what? Like there were, I guess there were so many people trying to log on to Disney Plus at midnight, you know, Pacific time. So wherever it was in your neck of the woods, we're we're now seven episodes into this thing, and it's still drawing huge traffic. It's still drawing huge traffic. The word of mouth of this show has definitely been loud, and, and it's helped the show a lot too. Uh, oh, I, absolutely. I mean, if you're any remote, you know, even just a, not like a hardcore fan, but you're somebody who's Going to the to see all the Avenger movies, and you've yeah. gone to see all the the uh, independent, you know, uh, Avenger films, you know, all the solo projects, and you're not watching the show. You are literally going to go into the next set of movies and be like, "What is all this coming from?" You yeah. know what I mean? Like you're going to go into Spider Man. And you're going to be like, what the hell? You're going to go into Doctor Strange and be even more confused. Well, not necessarily, because as we record today, there have been some TCA, you know, upfronts uh, for the television industry. Uh, and now, obviously, since Disney Plus is technically a television thing, Kevin Feige did uh, was at Disney's uh, upfront, and they did bring that up. So he and Sam Raimi have had conversations about how to play the whole WandaVision aspect in that movie series for people who haven't seen it so normally i'd be worried about it but hearing that it's like okay marvel's thinking ahead with this and all these series are like okay we're pre-planning there are going to be some people who have for whatever reason haven't seen the show marvel's playing next level chess while everybody else is playing i guess i mean yeah i didn't hear that i mean but even still though like having this i feel like watching this going into dr strange like I'm going to get why Wanda oh, is yeah. the way that she is yeah. way more than, you know, somebody else yeah. who oh, did yeah. watch it, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, they fully explain it, too. And the story of Wanda Maximoff has really gone leaps and bounds from where we last saw her in Avengers Endgame. We are going to deep dive into the latest episode, so we give you fair warning. If you're not caught up on the saga of Wanda and Vision, you have been given fair warning now because we are going to start talking spoilers about Episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall, in 3, 2, 1. It was fucking Agatha the whole time. I'm just kidding. I mean, come on. Break it down for us, coach. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll work our way backwards. I just had to start with that to be funny. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the episode was set in more of a modern family yep. uh, office space. Or not office space, the but office. office. The office yep. uh, film room, which was fun because yeah. Aaron was the one who pointed out. She's like, that's the office theme oh well, yeah she's like, it's not the office theme but it's like close and then parody I, yeah and then i hear it and i'm like oh my god it is you know yeah. and then yeah um obviously uh it was real uh, fourth wall is the perfect way to describe it because it really was very uh meta you yeah. know like you know, just the whole time with the the camera and the setup and, and all that and then having the the you know the cameraman say something was very like uh-huh. uh very office related to the episode where they finally showed the camera people behind that quote-unquote documentary um, but this episode was great. So yeah, even the, even the whole cameraman talking, it felt a little. I know this was kind of like based, like Coach said, based off of Modern Family or The Office, but it also felt a little like reality TV, which is be, which became so popular and prevalent in American television and television all over the world in the two thousands. Because it, turn on any reality TV series nowadays, there will be multiple you know, shots and scenes where something is happening on screen and you just hear, you know, you'll see the the subtitles come up on the screen. Producer, cameraman, 
whatever that they're talking to people to know this this episode was fantastic i know people were a little down on it but it listen it's set up the last two episodes are coming the finale of this show is coming We've got all the pieces in place in the on the board. Now we got to get them in place and get them ready to go. Well, I, we don't have all the pieces yet. Yeah. Not all <laughs> the pieces just yet, but for this episode, it was a lot of filler in certain degrees, but they nailed their points where they oh, needed yeah. to. Oh, they sure. had, yeah, they needed to. And that's one thing about this show that I don't think it gets enough credit for, that it's doing the slow burn pacing. Yeah. Oh, man, that this is, is real slow burn. Right. <laughs> But it's really setting up the story so when we are getting these payoffs, right. you're getting the reaction Coach gave when we started talking spoilers. Yeah, It's that reaction that Marvel and Disney are wanting, and they're getting because of how they're just taking their time getting here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just a, a good example. I mean, j- and one of the finer things that they're doing is somebody pointed out in one of the videos that I was watching because I just – as soon as, like, the episodes end, I literally deep dive into all the theory videos because I'm just like – I have to know more. And somebody pointed out that each of the opening scenes has been, you know, previously on WandaVision. And Wanda's been very, in the beginning, was very energetic, right? Yep. But as yep. the episodes have gone on, it's previously on WandaVision. You know, and she just, she's starting to taper off a little bit. So she's slowly, and that's just one of the, the smaller things that if you're not paying attention, you're missing like a bigger detail overall of the show. Right. I mean, that's another thing too with the intro to the show that they were doing the quick montage and you're seeing Wanda's name all over. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know one popular online theory was that is somebody trying to reach and call for help to her. Ah. That we might Maybe. see who that is because the name was repeated so many times. Right. So it's just those little nuances that they throw in this show that I think just are really nailing it home and really getting the different vibe from the MCU that, I, me personally, I've been craving. Yeah. Right. Because I don't like it when everything just feels the same. And for where this show was originally announced, it's supposed to be the second line, second show in the lineup right, and coming out. Second show in the lineup, also the third release from Marvel with Black Widow already coming out. Right. They have a lot of pressure, but they've been delivering, and we're just how good this show has been for yeah. the quality is really setting the bar high because where we jump in this episode, it is set in the late 2000s era of TV. Yep. Like we touched upon, The Office, Modern Family, and Wanda is now kind of having a me moment. Mm-hmm. Right. That you're really seeing the toll being taken on her. Yeah. But she's presenting it as Modern Family. Yeah, because the, the vibe I got off of this is whereas with prior episodes, it was like maybe a, call, a week or so, a couple days. This feels like it's in rapid succession, that it's just boom, 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 boom. There's no, oh, hey, you know, a week of time has passed, a couple weeks has passed. No, it's like, you know, the last episode was at night. This is like the next day. Right, like, I mean, she woke up in her Halloween garb still. Yeah. So it's still post the, you know, expansion of the hex and... You know, obviously, sword is backed off. They're yeah. eight, now eight miles away, yeah. I mean, just in case. Yeah, and I mean, everyone's been there. You know, you got busy points in your life. It feels like a ton of noise, and you just sit in your car, radio off, and you go, oh, my God, I need silence. Yeah. So that's where she's at. Right, and it's a very relatable scene where you see Wanda is now trusting Agnes to babysit the twins. Well, the twins come upstairs, and they, you know, like, Mom, 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 you know, Dad, Dad, you know. Mom, and, Mom, Mom, yeah, Mama, and, Mommy, Mama, <laughs> and Mama. And she's just like, listen, boys, like, I'll help you. Our video game system. And, you know, the video game starts splashing back and forth. Oh, my God, yeah. Through the generations. And then that finally, was, that was great. you know, she walks downstairs, and you can just tell the stress mm. that's on her, you know. And then one of the boys mentions how Dad hasn't been home. And, you know, she mentions something of, like, well, if your dad doesn't want to be here, I can't force him to be. Yeah. Which was a pretty telling 
point yeah. because this whole thing has been forced by Wanda. And now all of a sudden, you know, because Vision's, I guess you could say woke, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, um, literally, yeah, yeah. literally, um, you know, it's almost like she, now she knows that she can't control him. And it's just one more thing that's slipping through the fingers. Yeah, because you can see as she's going through the house, she's unable to yeah. s- stop everything from changing. Like, yeah. she'll look at the milk carton, and it'll change into a milk bottle. Yeah. Right. That she's just really showing the stress of the power she's using. The stork now, came wandering through at one point. Yeah. It's just all these different factors are going on that you're telling the the viewer is catching on that she's losing control. Right. right. And on the surface, when you're first watching this, it appears like it's just, oh, this is just the strain. She's been using her powers for so long. She's controlling everything here. She can only do it for so long. She's finally reaching her end point of being able to use her powers effectively, but uh, maybe not. Yeah, it's definitely a very interesting factor going on. And then in comes Agatha to mention that she can help watch the boys. Bold strategy, yeah. Cotton. See yeah. how it works out for him. <laughs> Which, prior to, she hasn't been allowed near the boys. Right. So now, suddenly... Well, and it's been a subtle move by Vision. You mm-hmm. know, every time she tries to get near him, it's always Vision being like, eh, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, so maybe, the you know, he was picking up a weird vibe while, you know, obviously Wanda's so blinded by everything else that's going on that, you know, she can't pick up on it. I mean, another reason why, you know, maybe Agatha was so... Uh, prudent on getting him outside of the bubble i would say yeah. maybe blinded maybe also rose-colored glasses because while vision at least for a couple episodes now has been like yeah something ain't right here she's been like no everything's great i'm gonna use my powers and yeah. in, the, in front of everybody don't worry it's fine yeah you know maybe it's a little bit of both the fact how Catherine Hahn has been able to play this and flick that switch on oh my god and just the little facial expression she's doing during all this right just absolutely brilliant work she's she's doing i can't rave about her stuff enough but as we flip now to vision and where he winds up in the circus, yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah, waking up in uh, where the sword base was, mm-hmm. you know, obviously engulfed by the hex. Then all those characters got turned in, you know, like we talked about, into the, the circus. And, you know, then he sees uh, Darcy. Darcy, you know, as the escape artist, yep. which, I mean, I uh, somebody else said that it would have been funny if she would have been dressed as the uh, two broke girls. Oh, that would have been epic. That would have yeah. been pretty funny, yeah. you know, if maybe she was a waitress. But, well, you know, we got the escape artist. Um, and then obviously vision having the ability to wake people up woke again, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, was able to snap Darcy out of it to try and help explain to him what is going on. Cause again, he has no recollection of anything. Right. So it's been real blur for him. And as she's in her, as Kat Dunnings is in the escape artist outfit, something comic book fans have been pointing out too. And I saw this as well. And I'm like, I saw it too. She is dressed in the Star Lord outfit. Oh yeah, I saw from the Guardians that. of the Galaxy Abnett and Landing Run. Yep. Yeah, which I I don't know. I think that's just a well placed Easter egg. I don't think that's tying in. No, anything. I, no, I don't think it's tying into anything. I think it's just a, a something. And you see this in Star Wars, other stuff. You know, it's not. It doesn't mean anything. It's just something there for the fans. Yeah, you saw it in Lois and Clark. You know, yeah, or yeah. Superman and Lois. Like it's just. A nice little nod to people that if they pay attention, like, ooh, you know? Yeah, like, what could this mean? We don't know. Yeah. But I don't think they're, you're going to see anything Guardians of the Galaxy related here just no. yet. Never say never because it's Marvel. But as Vision and Darcy make their escape and they start catching up about, okay, what is going on? Right. There is still one other factor that's going on at this point, too, and that's what's happening outside the hex. Sure. And this is where Monica and Jimmy... Finally meet up with <gasps> some help. <gasps> Who was it? Who was it, Ken? It was an old army friend of hers. Oh. See, not doc, not a Dr. Doom? Not a Dr. Doom. Not, not a Reed, Reed Richards? Richards? Not not anybody? No, oh. but 
Well, these are people that Monica is friends with. So she is basically having to be friends with Reed Richards. Well, here's the one thing that I want to point out, too, because I know the internet was exploding about this. Oh, we didn't get our, the big reveal. We didn't get the big reveal. Sure. Where did you think that she got the vehicle to go into the oh, hacker? Right, that, and that's what everybody was – that was the swerve that everybody was trying to put on. They were like, listen, like th- this person was just bringing the vehicle to her. Not They didn't build it, so. Yeah, exactly, because as Monica gets there and she touches base with her friends, she's now up- updating the situation. Okay, I need to get back into the hex. Yeah. And they brought a specialized vehicle for her. Well, because now they've realized what the plan, Sword's plan is with Vision. Yeah. Right. And they need to get to Monica – they need to get to uh, – oh, my God. Wanda. Sk- Wanda, yeah. Wow. Uh, to try and, and figure out and get her to realize what they're trying to do with Vision. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's twofold, there's a twofold front here. You know, obviously the things that are going on with Wanda and then S.W.O.R.D.'s mission for Vision. So it's like the, Monica is essentially fighting a battle on two fronts. Yeah. yeah. And I love it how Tiana Paris just, as playing Monica, is just coming at it like, I have no fear of what's going on. I'm going back in the hex. Yeah. And everybody's like, well, you should really worry. And she's like, no, I need to go in and save the day. She's like, she is really showing her true heroics in this. Oh. And, and the portrayal in this is very excellent. Yeah. And as she goes in the vehicle, which the minute I saw this, I'm going to officially say this now, it's Reed Richards. <laughs> Could be. That vehicle looked something straight out of the Jack Kirby era of okay. Fantastic Four. And the vehicle was made for like deep space like the most harsh conditions that space can throw at it right yeah that thing looks like i said straight up kirby i mean listen the 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 payoff of this would be re richards like if we got that that would i mean that you want to talk about breaking the internet like not not only was it you know having uh the pietro come back as uh you know the the one from the x-men universe like Mm -hmm. that was grounds enough but like if you do that and you bring in re richards and it is john krasinski that's a wrap. I mean, and let's not forget they did use the office. Yes. You know, as a play-in. Like, I mean, literally, so maybe that was a tease. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, now theorizing that could be a thing. But that would shut the world down. I agree with you. And I'm going to say this for record because I want to touch upon one thing very quickly because I don't even want to touch upon it in one-shots. This nonsense about they casted Jennifer Lawrence oh. as Sue Storm already. Right. Look, that has no actual confirmation from the powers that be. It's sure. a nice internet rumor. Oh, yeah. The last I heard was they were looking for writers yes. to work on the script. They're not going to cast a movie before it's written. Well, right. I mean, the only casting would be Krasinski. Well, yeah. And yeah. That would, but that's because that's a slam dunk, no-brainer. The thing just makes sense, you know? And, and that's been so long rumored right. that it's him that it would make sense. And especially if they just want to even say, like, on the phone, it's his voice. Sure. Which I don't doubt that happening during this series. Like, we might not see him, but we'll definitely hear him. And I I just, I mean, the Jennifer Lawrence thing just doesn't make any sense. Right. I mean, like, if you're going to do Sue Storm, it it might as well just be John's real-life wife of Emily Blunt. And that would just be, because, I mean, A, the chemistry that they have Mm -hmm. from the movies they've done previously is obviously dynamic and the fact that they are a real life married couple like it would just work on screen like that just makes sense to me jennifer lawrence who already has a distaste for superhero films Mm -hmm. begged to get off the x-men set you know after the the last movie just doesn't make any sense to me yeah yeah in my opinion i agree with you completely i i just think that that that's such an internet rumor which i get it's the internet hey sure it's fun stuff happens 
But there's no validity to it because unless you hear from someone like Deadline or Variety. Or Kevin Feige. Or Feige himself. <laughs> yeah. Take it with a little grain of salt. Well, that, well and especially you got to think the bulk of her career has been two tentpole franchises with Hunger Games and then X-Men. Something tells me she, for at least a little while, she's going to want to do something that's not a tentpole multi-film. Yeah, tie up your career. She's yeah. she going to want to do like a one and done, move on. Yeah, and I think that she's done the movie franchise before, in my opinion, with the X-Men. I know, obviously, we're talking difference because, obviously, with how much makeup's involved being Mystique to being Sue Storm. Mm -hmm. But I just feel that they're not going to announce the full casting of the Fantastic Four. They would announce Reed. Right. But they wouldn't announce everybody because I think that if they're going to cast anybody, it's been so long rumored that... Straczynski would be the guy. Yeah, it just it that's a slam dunk. It's a no brainer. Everybody's already expecting it. Just give the fans what they want type deal, you know? Yeah, which I could definitely see Feige doing the same, okay, we've cast our read and run with that. Right. But I don't think that they would announce any other character other than Reed first, no. being the head of the team. Right. And not to mention, I mean, Krasinski has a history of film writing. So like to announce him as Reed, you know, and have him attached to the project, like Maybe that would give him the ability to be not maybe a writer, but some sort of producer on the film. You know, because I mean, obviously, most of the Marvel guys uh, that are up there in the upper echelon of, of acting have been, you know, producers on their films. So, right. I mean, that would almost give it a tie and make it work for me. You know what I mean? Like, or probably more work for John as far as being casted ahead of having writers. Yeah. So, like I said, I, I think that before anything else goes with the Fantastic Four, Reed will be announced first. And I think we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But Straczynski, I think, is the even money pick. Yeah. I would be very surprised if they went in a different direction. But for anything else, like I said, the Jennifer Lawrence thing, I know people were blowing up about on social media. Calm down. Yeah. I would say pump the brakes. It's a nice internet rumor. But until you hear it from one of those sites or Feige himself, I would calm down right now. Because we could always do fan casting and run with it, too. And I understand that people are that excited about this show. Hey, Jessica Alba hasn't said no yet. Yes, okay? exactly. <laughs> Anything is possible in the MCU. But going back to the show, you see Monica is now riding that vehicle right into the hex. Mm -hmm. And what happens from there, Pat? Uh, she tries, but it throws her back out while simultaneously transforming the front of the tr uh, vehicle to a pickup truck. Yes. So there's a lot of energy transformation going on here. And we do see this is starting to have an effect on Monica because she is trying her damnedest to get back in. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, she can't pull that off. And when the truck comes flying back out, we see it's a half and half. But we also see that she is now has different colored eyes. Yep. Which is a sign that she has now gotten her powers. Sure. Which I more well, at least they've, well, at least least they've activated. Yeah, at least yeah. they're, like, coming, yeah. Because yeah. they, they said after she came out, what, the second time? Mm -hmm. First, whatever time it was, they looked, and, and Darcy even said, listen, you know, the hex has rewritten your molecule, your, your cells on a molecular level. And she showed the, the, the x-ray, or the, not the x-ray, the uh, microscopic look. So I think they were there, it, like they got put there, or they got awakened or whatever. It's just this was the, you know, click moment where, oh, hey, we're here. Well, yeah, as then she opts to, you know, Jimmy and them were trying to get her away from the hex. Mm -hmm. She sprints right in there, and that's when we really start to see the, the separation of character and, you know, a, a mini story, if you will, within the walls of the hex, her going through it and all the fate, you know, you, you hear uh, Marvel again, you hear her mom again, you hear, you know, you see the different uh, phases of her life, you mm -hmm. know, like all these things come and then pops out of the wall in the, you know, the landing of the superhero pose and then looks up, you know, the light, the, her eyes are different and then can see the, 
the uh, remnants of the power sources of you know power lines and all that, the spectrum of light. Yeah. And then you just know, all right, she's she gets it, you know. Yeah, she's fully ready to rock and roll. Which, like I said, I marked out at this moment. The minute that I saw her starting to light up, I'm like, oh, she got her powers. Let's go. So going back to the story though, and like I say, there's just a lot going on with this episode. Even though, like I say, it was filler. It still had a lot of moving parts going on. But once Monica does enter West uh, Westview again, she does catch up with Wanda. Mm-hmm. Right. And Wanda is none too pleased. Well, I was not happy to see her. No, no. She, she definitely wasn't happy to see her. And it definitely kind of threw a wrench in everything going on. Because now at this point, too, Agnes now catches Monica. Well, mm-hmm. Agnes was peeking yes. through, her, yep. through her window. And noticing, I mean, well, let's not forget, too, the boy is still at Agatha's house. Mm-hmm. Um, Agnes, I'm sorry. And uh, they're eating the sand, you know, they're they're sanging out with the bunny, Senior Scratchy, and talking. And uh, Tommy, you know, notices that he can't pick up any uh, brain waves or whatever from or read her mind like he can everybody else. Mm-hmm. And calls that out and says, says the same thing about Senior Scratchy, which was... A very interesting little tidbit because why can't he do that? Yeah, yeah. I think we'll find out very sooner than later if you know the history of the character. But as this is going on too, Wanda is looking for the boys and can't find them. And this is where things are going to get very, very interesting because Wanda starts looking around the house for the boys. And and Monica has already been kind of kicked out and left on her own because Wanda is just refusing to hear anything from her. But as Wanda is going around, she does go into the basement, and she finds herself, this was like my Stranger Things moment. Sure. Like, walks into a completely different world. Uh-huh. So what was your take on this as she goes into the basement? Well, I mean, obviously, her saying, you know, uh, Agnes telling her to go to the basement obviously was, you know, hey, you know, a ploy. So I was expecting some sort of... I don't know, not dungeon, but some sort of room of, of terror, you know, so to speak, that was going to lead to something. So when she walked in, she saw the, you know, the demon, the, the demonic signs and everything. I was like, all right, here's our payoff. Like, this is our moment. Yes. You know, I wasn't sure what to expect. Like, I knew, okay, this is like a big moment. We've been building to this. I, without knowing too much about, you know, Agatha Harkness, I didn't know what the hell to expect. But, like, I was getting some, like, Sleeping Beauty Maleficent type vibes off of her. Sure. Yeah, they played it very well, too. And you see a book that is in the background. Now, this book, a lot of people are speculating, Pad. Yeah, there's a scene in the first Doctor Strange where there's a bunch of books that are locked up in the background. Uh, One of them is conspicuously absent and noticeably missing. So a lot of fans are thinking that the book that is shown in this basement is the missing book. Right, which was a book that was created by... Ah, damn, I lost the character's name, but it was some uh, a demon character in the Marvel Universe who uh, used that book for spells and witchcraft, which this book ties into a lot of the other things as far as, uh, like, it was the creation of werewolves and dra- uh, and uh, vampires in the Marvel Universe. So uh, it's another way that they can play into the tie of, um, you know, uh, Blade and then the other show that's coming out. They can go a lot of Midnight Sun stuff. Yeah, Midnight Sun stuff from there too, yep. They can definitely do a lot there. I think it's the Darkhold. Now, I know that was not confirmed that that was the book that was missing, but right. we, we have seen the Darkhold appear on everything from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to it's very well known as a, as a very powerful magic book. There was the a deleted scene, too, I was reading from Captain America that actually references the Darkhold. Yeah. during when Because uh, it's when uh, uh, the Red Skull was searching for the first Tesseract. 
Um, and that book actually comes into his possession. He kind of like just puts it to the side. So yes. So we gotta wait to see what goes on with the book. But during this segue too, we do find out that Agnes is who we all thought she was the whole time. <laughs> yes, Agatha all along. Hashtag that up all day. Yep. And it's Agatha Harkness. Was the, bar- the song borrowing heavily uh, from the Monsters theme song? Yes. Which how cool was that? Oh, that was so good. Yeah, it was. I mean, that that review. I mean, obviously. I think we in the room had a, a, a an idea of who we've been saying that yeah who yeah. Agatha was going to be so yeah. like the 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 reveal although it not as shock value as it was it was when they played the song and revealed how she was manipulating all of the things that were kind of starting to go awry and were were starting almost to have the cracks in the town that was the most telling thing to me because you know the the scene where um, you know, the, just for an example, the, the vision scene where she's in the car, mm-hmm. like, I didn't know what the hell to make of that. I was still like, I'm like, that threw me off the scent a little bit. Like I was like this, I know she's Agnes. Like I know she's Agatha. Like there's no other way that this is not Agnes Harkness. This is what the, her character is going to be. It has to be. But then the car scene kind of had me questioning, like, well, maybe does she not know? Was she possessed? Like, you know, what is going to happen here? So to find out that she was playing with vision the whole time. Yeah. Was that was like wow, you know? Yeah, no, to get the like backstory and, and find out that, you know, as the song says, it was her all along and just messing with everything was awesome. And since I've listened to the song multiple, multiple times, I've picked up on a few things. One of which being there because I, again, with Marvel, nothing is ever just thrown in there. It's there right. deliberately. Wanda and everybody in this are so far up, you know, what creek without a paddle because there's a line in the song uh, about halfway through uh, goes, It's too late to fix anything. Now that everything has gone wrong, thanks to Agatha. So, as try as they might to fix everything and get everybody back, uh, it might be too little too late. It might be, and that's the one interesting point of her character. I mean, she's had a long history from everybody from the Fantastic Four to Spider-Man. Spider-Man. She has definitely made the rounds throughout the MCU. She also has ties to Mephisto. She also has ties to every single magical character in the MCU. She's a long-standing witch that its history goes back to before World War II. Yeah. Like it, and John Wick would like to have a conversation with her because yeah. she killed Sparky. I saw, yeah. I saw that, yeah. And then we also find out that she is responsible for the Pietro that showed up at the front door. Yep. Which now, so that's my biggest, like that, I want that answer. Because mm-hmm. obviously that is what, you know, how or why was that Pietro the one that was chosen? You know what I mean? Like, how did she even know about him? You know, did she pull him from the multiverse? Like, is it actually still Peter from the other ones, or I, what? I think a hint to that, and can I can let you explain it, uh, was given in the commercial that aired during this uh, oh, episode. The Nexus, yeah. The Nexus antidepressants. And Ken, for those who don't know, what is the Nexus? The Nexus is the anchor point for all of time and reality. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's a, it can be used a lot to segue into the multiverse if you really push the, uh, certain buttons right. Yeah. You're going to tie into the time variance um Oh, what's the group from uh, Loki? Oh, Time Variance Authority. Thank you. you the, they have a little play with it, too. And Wanda in the comics is an anchor point for yep. that. So that is going to play a big factor. Now, how Agatha knows about this. Something tells me the book tells her a lot about it. Yeah, the book could also be a segue for somebody to manipulate her. Like The, the book could be that powerful that it could possess Agatha, which I yeah. think could be happening. Could too. be. It just depends on who it is. Now, do I think it's Dormammu? No. 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 
I would this say this ain't in his wheelhouse. No, this is not in his wheelhouse. This thing, if you're going to talk about possessing and doing anything like that, it, it reeks of Mephisto. Yeah. I mean, with the boys being in the show and that having that payoff, and obviously the story that does lead to you know uh, the boys being part of Mephisto. Mm-hmm. Um, I would feel like that would make sense. I mean, obviously we've already. It's not going to be a House of M situation because no, the mutants aren't around anyway. So like they can't do that. You know, she can't wish. For half the population to be dead when she finds out that everything was a dream and and riddled with grief. But what you can see is that you know Mephisto's obviously had his hands in things and and is playing a factor in this somehow some way. Yeah, which I mean that fits to his character to the T. I mean yeah. he, he does this for possessing souls and who is is going to feed and possess souls. Yeah, you know, and her grief could always lead to you know the Doctor Strange movie and her just being so enraged that this happened yeah. that that's the heel turn. Yeah, you know I, that leads to Doctor Strange. Yeah, and I dug up on the Marvel uh, Wikipedia page uh, Nexus beings and it reads quote one Nexus being alone uh, supposedly exists on each of the parallel worlds of the multiverse and personally and personify the character of their respective realms and serve as the focal point or anchor of that reality. Each being also acts as the node of mystic energy of their respective world. The physics of the dimensional universe also dictate that no two Nexus beings can exist on the same plane of reality and can only protect, uh, project onto other realms with an active Nexus being as an appar- apparition. So, methinks that, okay, if we follow this, that Wanda is a Nexus being like she is in the comics... You know, something would tell me that this isn't just something that you can pull out of thin air at, at your own personal convenience, that it takes a lot of, you know, gusto and whatever behind it. And with as much, now that we know Agatha is Agatha, Agnes is Agatha Harkness and she's a witch, with as much magic that is flying around in this, however big the hex is, something tells me that'd be enough to really kick it going. It definitely could. I mean, this is just going to be open up a bunch of different doors. I will say this if I see man things show up in the show. I'm going to lose my shit. I will mark out like a madman like you won't believe. Like, this is not Boba Fett level. Sure. But I would just be shocked to see him. But then again, we have a MODOK series coming out on Hulu, so anything That's is true. possible. That's true. He had, like, I talk, you want to talk about weird characters that have, man, like, cult followings? Man thing. Definitely yeah. does. It's, yeah. It is what it is. But with this whole open door reality, that could explain where they're ta- they're tapering on to get other members of the MCU that are not under the Marvel banner oh, yet, yeah. it, it's an easy out for it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it makes sense. So, they, I mean, they're going to have to explain how they got Pietro there. And when you talk about dipping in, like, souls into different bodies, which I, if you know anything about Young Avengers, you know this is kind of how this is going to play out with Wanda's kids. It's not to say that's how the Rumble thought they yeah. would do that with Quicksilver too. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think this just kind of answers the question of, all right, is this the actual X-Men Pietro? Is this just somebody dressed up as him or, you know, made to look like him? Given the fact that we have the Nexus ad and what all that entails, yeah, no, this is him. He got, he got pulled in here for what reasons, you know, we've yet to find out, but uh, it's him. Unless, of course, this is Agatha's son. And that's something... Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Senior Scratchy um, obviously could be a play for uh, her son, which is Scratch something is Nicholas his name? Scratch. Nicholas Scratch. Um, so that would be interesting. I mean, I, I don't. I feel like that would almost be the cop out way to do it, but it wouldn't surprise me just because it is the obvious play that all of a sudden you know this rabbit turns into you know, uh, to the Peter that she wants to show. It's just how would she know that that's what Peter looks like? Like that's the part that I'm like, 
that's what I'm trying to boggle my head around is that like, all right, if she could have done it, then why didn't she just use Pietro? And why did she use that version of him? And yeah. how would she know? Well, I mean, there is one theory online, and it ties into a Fantastic Four villain that it could be one uh, Nicholas Scratch. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. the same one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're one in the same. I mean, Nicholas Scratch. I mean, he's a long time villain, but I mean, he hasn't been around recently in comics, to my no. knowledge. Uh, article I'm reading. He first uh, burst onto the scene in August 1977 in Fantastic Four issue number 185. Uh, quote: As an incredibly powerful and cunning wizard, he frequently squared off against the likes of Marvel's first family, Fat being the Fantastic Four, uh, as well as Doctor Strange. Although he never quite reached the level of famous as villain villainous counterparts. Yeah, he's always always been i want to try to find like a good wrestling term for this well a mid carter yeah he's a he's a mid carter at best like he's never been the focal guy but that's the thing though with marvel bad guys is as great as their superheroes have been not many of them have the lex luthor you know like the the who's who of batman's rogue gallery or superman you know it's like the like a lot of them the subpar guys uh bad guys are like bad you know like they just they don't have much depth well and let's also remember with the exception of off the top of my head captain america most of the marvel films first villains they face off in the movie aren't exactly the a triple a you know major league tier guys captain america one being the exception because let's face it it was red skull that's right arch nemesis iron man one Obadiah Stane. Not exactly, you know, villain has been not exactly the main guy, not exactly the high tier guy. You look at. Uh, no, I would agree with him on that. I know, like, maybe in the comics, but like. In the, in the comics, he was until he. Yeah, yeah. When, Thor, when, it was a goddamn robot, essentially. You know, just by and large with the Marvel stuff, it's not exactly... Like, when I think of Iron Man, I think of the Ten Fists or Ten Rings. Well, yeah, I that's, think that, of, uh, that's his number one guy. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. just trying to say, like, in comparison with Rogue's Galleries, yeah. Iron Monger, who was Obadiah Stane, right. was a big one back in his time until in the comics he killed himself. Right. Well, I mean, and I'm going off... I've watched the Iron Man cartoon growing right, up right, a right. lot, and yeah. that was always... It was like Whirlwind and... Yeah. Uh, the the ten the ten rings. Well, yeah, really, yeah. Well, every episode was around. Well, Mandarin has always now been his Disney guy. Yeah. yeah, Mandarin has always been his yeah. guy. Yeah, like that. That's his number one. And then the rest of his rogues gallery, like let's be honest, has not exactly been so top shelf mm-hmm. until post movie. Because mm-hmm. now you have Obadiah's son Zeke, saying right, and right. You have other characters that are really getting some shine now. Sure, but I mean. His rogues gallery has always been kind of so-so. You could almost say the same thing with Fantastic Four. Yeah. And with Agatha Harkness, I mean, there was just so much that they had new creators. uh, I mean, when Kirby was on the book, I mean, and and just creating everybody left and right. Right. You definitely have a a wide open play field. Oh, yeah. So I think for somebody like Scratch, though, ever since, really hasn't done a lot. Right. And I I think it would make sense if it is end up being uh, Scratch that – it would make sense to have him be in the, the villain in the first film, and this is kind of his introduction. Because, let's face it, Doom is going to be their long-term play. He's going to be their Thanos. The, he ain't going to be a one-and-done, killed off at the end of the first movie, you yeah. know, what, what have you. So, he'll be there. He might get mentioned. You might even see him a couple of times. Who's to say? But it would make sense to have somebody, you know, kind of a lesser tier to start off with. Well, I think it's going to play into that. Just for this show... With how the direction is going and how they've been misleading everybody so masterfully. Right. It's hard to say who's going to be the big bad by the time it's all said and done. Yeah. 
because I don't think it's Agatha still. I mean, I think Agatha is responsible. Oh yeah, well, it's and it's funny. A uh, friend of mine was asking me Friday because he knows I watch the episodes about when I get up. He was all he asked me also how is it? I told him, and I don't give him spoilers. I'm like, oh, it's good. He goes, do we? He goes, no. He goes, I don't mind if you tell me this. He goes, do we find out who's behind it? And funny choice of words on their part. Do we find out who's been behind it? All you know after all this time. I go, I just kind of chuckle. I go, yeah, I go, you, you find out. And I go, and they're not subtle about it in any way, shape, or form. No, I mean, how they introduced Agatha Harkness was brilliant. Best villain introduction in comic show movie history? It's in discussion. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe. I, I will say it's definitely in discussion. I mean, I know Heath Ledger's Joker oh, yeah. is kind of up there, too. Yeah. I, I would say, oh, let me say this. For Marvel, I will say it's up there, if not number one. Oh my god! You want to know how popular the song is? I just looked on the iTunes charts. Uh, this is for every genre of music they have on there. It's number four. Uh, the only things the only things above it are uh, "Up" by Cardi B, uh, "Driver's License" by Olivia Rodrigo, and then "Somebody Does" by Tiger Lily. I think is what the person's name is. But Agatha All Along is number four on all of iTunes. But it just goes back to show the popularity of the show uh-huh. and how this moment just definitely got everybody wound up talking about it too. And obviously with Monica at the post credit scene getting stopped by Pietro, oh, yeah, whoever that oh, is, whoever that is, and yeah. now that's going to tie into so much for next week's episode. Next week's is going to be 47 minutes. Supposedly. Well, I'm going to go pay stuff that, because I, I believe Feige mentioned that as well, too, just oh, okay. to Oh, okay. So we'll have to wait and see, because I know that there was a press release saying they're all going to be an hour. I don't know if they cut and paste and they want to just kind of stretch out the season well, finale. Well, I, th- I think what people were going got the whole hour thing from, because I never saw anything, at least last week, saying it was going to be an hour. I think where people got that from was he said that, you know, there's going to be it's like each season is going to total up to like six hours worth of content. So people were doing the math Mm. and went, Oh, there's three episodes left. That means it's, you know, we got three hours left to fill. That means each episode is going to be an hour, not factoring in that you don't have to do an hour. Exactly. Right. Right. So to wrap this segment up, I want everybody's prediction about what we're going to see this week, starting with coach answers. We're going to see answers. Finally. I think they're going to take a page because we got, what, two episodes left now? Yep. I think they're going to take a page out of the Game of Thrones and some of the, uh, towards the end of the seasons of Walking Dead. Shit is going to hit the fan in, like, the worst way possible. Two words, Doctor Strange. I I think we see him at... See, I think they say that for the finale. Yeah, I I don't think it's now. He'll but show he'll, he'll show, show up. up. Yeah, he'll show up. But I don't know. I don't think that he's. Gonna, it's going to be this episode. I think it's going to be. I I think shit's going to hit the fan in the worst way possible. She's going to try fixing it, and Vision's going to try getting involved in trying to fix it, and the kids are going to and and Quay's going to wake Quicksilver up out of his you know trance or whatever it is. They're going to try stopping it, and as the song says, you know it's too late. That's when Doctor Strange will go. All right, what the. You, you know do? what would be kind of fun is if Doctor like in real Marvel esque if Doctor Strange showed up as a uh, uh, end credit. That would, that be, would be that could be. I mean that would suck because like yeah you want something to happen but like having him show up at the end credit thing would be such a Marvel move, especially since the credits have been six minutes the entire time. How yep. many people have been like? Fuck! I gotta sit through six minutes of credits because you're like it's Marvel. Like they trained think, us. I think everyone who's watched this series now collectively hates the phrase "Please stand by." Why? Yeah. So I mean, now, so again, so I the episode ends and I'm like, oh my god, what the hell? 
I turn it off because I'm like, I'm not watching through six minutes of credits. Oh. The next day, yep, the next day I go to watch oh. a reaction video and they're like, before you watch this reaction video, if you haven't seen the end credit scene, and I slam my hand down on my knee and I'm, you know, damn it. And See, Aaron's upstairs getting ready. We're, I think we're getting ready to go to like do something. She goes, what's the matter? And I go, there was a effing Ed credit scene of all the time. You know, and I'm, I'm raving, you know, I'm ranting, I'm raving. I'm red hot about this because I, I'm not a big deal, but it's still like, you've, a, been, you've been waiting all the time. Yeah, I've been the waiting the whole don't. time. The one time I'm like, nope, snip, yeah. you know, yeah. turn it off is the one time. See, I'd caught, I was either Nerdist or IGN. Somebody posted something because I checked Facebook uh, when I got out and I was making my breakfast. Nerdist or IGN had shared something. They didn't say what, but they said, hey, if you're watching WandaVision, you know, this morning or today or whatever, make sure you stay for the credits because they go, there's a scene in the credits. And I went, Awesome. I, th I think it was IGN because that's okay. where I read it from. Okay, so. so I saw that when I was making my breakfast. I'm like, oh, sweet. Cool. Guess we'll all have to wait to see what happens this Friday. But in the meantime, hit us up on that social media, will you? Let's discuss WandaVision in detail. We definitely want to talk some spoilers. We definitely want to talk about predictions for next week's show. You can find all our Twitter handles at ODParlayHour. So definitely let's keep that conversation going. Tell Ken how great US Agent is. No, we can talk about that for Falcon Winter Soldier because I am ready to discuss that, my friend. Uh, yeah, we're, I based off the promotional images, we ain't ready for that first episode. I can I I know there's some big things going. I don't I I can't handle that much right now. I want to get through WandaVision, get my week break, and then get all amped up for Falcon Winter Soldier, go through all the feels and get really really mad when I see US Agent on the screen. But in the meantime, like I said, let's go have that conversation on social media, shall we? Let's talk some WandaVision. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on TheVillainsDemand.com. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And time to talk some more comic TV shows. Yeah. But now we're stepping back to the CW and to one of the most highly anticipated shows of the year. Yeah. And especially from the ODPH panel. Because ever since we saw Tyler Hoagland suit up as Clark Kent mm -hmm. and come back in to the DC slash Arrowverse We've all been saying, when are we going to get a show? Yeah, he deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. And Hoechlin has definitely been amazing in the role. He, he's made it his own. He, he's definitely carving his own niche with the role. And we did hear that there was going to be a show called Superman and Lois coming out. Yep. Kind of has been a little quiet about what the premise is going to be because yeah. obviously we saw what their involvement in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Kind well, of quiet since. The hype kind of, yeah, the hype for the show kind of went from the announcement to like very like quiet to then like. The teaser to the trailer, you know, like, right, yeah, right. And even with the trailer, it didn't give much to the story outside of, you know, they're both out of a job. They're back in, in Kansas. They got two kids and they're, you know, their kids are struggling with just life in general. So, and, and you see a villain, but it's not any of the well-known rogues from Superman that you're familiar with. So it's not a lot to go on. Yeah. No, they definitely kept the mystery hidden. Yeah. Which I thought was very smart. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it sells itself just based off of Superman. Right. Yeah. So very quietly, they announced it was going to be a two-hour premiere. 
This show is going to be re-aired on TNT this Friday. Oh, okay. And it's also, I think, going to make the rounds on TBS. I'm not sure the time exactly as I'm uh, looking at the computer right now. But we are going to be talking about the CW's newest hit, Superman and Lois, and the ratings from the initial premiere pad. Yeah, uh, according to reports that came out today, the initial ratings, and these ratings will go up uh, once you, in a couple of days once you add the DVR plus three. Uh, plus three days. Uh, so initial viewings last night was 1.75 million viewers. And like we say, for going very under the radar as far as promotion, yeah, that's a huge win. And that's just households. That's not counting number of people. Because yeah. in my house, it was two people. I know, Ken, when we were talking, it was two people for you. Mm-hmm. Two people for me. Yeah, so that's at, least, you know, that's at least six people watching the darn thing. Yeah, so we are going to be talking spoilers about the new Superman and Lois show. So if you haven't watched and you want to watch, pause this episode right here. Watch the episode and jump back because we're going to deep dive into it in three, two, one. It was Agatha the whole time? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I texted you guys. I, I mean, obviously, I love Superman. I have uh, a Superman tattoo, as embarrassing as that probably is in 2021. But, I mean, I have it because I love the character. I grew up with the character. Uh, I texted you guys 12 minutes into the show. I loved it. I, I was already hooked 12 minutes in. I mean, I had to keep reminding myself and Aaron, you know, my Aaron had to keep telling me, she's like, it's only one episode, Sean. I'm like, I know, but this literally is the character. This is Superman. Like the first 12 minutes, like you can, from the, from the opening uh, time lapse of the background story to Superman for the people that weren't familiar with the character to then, you know, seeing the relationship with Martha Kent to, you know, the daily planet to everything. I was like, Oh, my God. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it was a great first 15 minutes. I know Stephen Amell uh, himself tweeted last night, quote, 15 minutes in, the pilot of Superman and Lois is fucking awesome. Close quote. I mean, it was great. You know, it, it retold the story that a lot of people are familiar with, but it didn't beat you over the head with, with details. It's like, listen, you. it was essentially like, listen, you know the story, but let's just bullet points it. Comes to Earth, dot, 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 dot. You know, I loved everything about it. I loved seeing the Max Flesher suit. Oh, the, at the Easter start. egg. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I saw that. I'm like, oh, oh, that's it. And my dad goes, what? I'm like, no, that's the suit from the old cartoons. Said the same, I turned the same thing to Aaron. I go, oh, my God, that's his first suit. That's his first suit. That's the scene. That's the comic book. That's yeah. the cover. And, and I haven't read it recently, but reading when I was reading some of the initial Superman comics, I want to say his first interaction with Lois was like verbatim taken from the comics. Yeah. Yeah. No, they did such a stellar job about introducing fans who might not understand what Superman is all about. Sure. In 12 minutes, you knew who he was. Yeah. You got the vibe. You got how the mythos was. Right. And I think that for Superman, who is the symbol of hope, and, Pat, we were touching upon this uh, off-air. Yeah, so this year marks the 20th anniversary of Smallville uh, premiering with season one, which I don't have the exact date up in front of me, but I know it was either shortly before or shortly after September 11th happened here in the United States in, in New York City and Washington, D.C. It, it was Pensacola. after. You know, yeah. so 9-11 happens, Superman, you know, Smallville debuts. We're now in the midst of a global pandemic, which is just absolutely wreaking havoc on the entire world. Superman show comes out. Well, you know, and what's funny too, I mean, I guess not funny, but like, you know, looking back at the Smallville thing, you know, uh, the creators of that show were very adamant about, you know, not like not having Superman have the suit on because like, 
you know, you know, it was so passe back then. You know, Superman in his suit and all that. Like it's so cliche. Well, they, it's so yeah, out there. They, they said for years that the two things: he wouldn't fly, and that he wouldn't be in the suit. Yeah, he had moments where he leapt for a year, but that's how Superman was in his early comics. He didn't fly; he leaped, and and it was such this, uh, you know, backhanded thing of superheroes and, and and everything. And it was like, you know, people were clamoring then, like, why, you know, give him something, you know, like that is an iconic symbol. So for the opening scene of this, you know, to see him embracing the costume, I'm getting fucking chills talking about right now. Like that's how, like, to see him in, in the suit. And, and have that moment with the little boy, you know, that, that gung-ho, that happiness, the joy, you know, of, um, you know, the moment was like, that is Superman. Like, that yeah. is this character. Like, and, and then you as the episode continues and you see, like, again, I talked about this with the Cavill character with the, uh, with the Snyder films. This is a man of inner conflict. Like, this is a guy who doesn't know his role on this planet. So as you see his interaction, and now you know you throw in the mix of having twins. Yeah. yeah. So now you're you're having this uh, moment of you know uh, a man with all the powers in the world not able to connect to his kids like that like that is Superman like it is not this uh, a simple story like it's not just an alien comes to Earth and all of a sudden has magic powers and lives yeah. his life like this is a guy who who was disbanded from his planet because it exploded. Yeah. Was having to hide his entire life because of his abilities and now you throw in the mix that he has all these superpowers and two twin boys that he doesn't understand yeah it's really capturing kind of some of the more recent stuff that uh i'm blanking on the right bendis thank you but brian michael bendis has been doing with the comics where you know because superman has his kid in in, in the comics recently you know, where it, it's a man that can literally do about damn near anything he wants to if he just figures out how to do it. But it still comes to these moments in his life where he has no idea what the hell to do. This is a guy that can fly from one end of the globe to the other in less than a blink of an eye. That can lift, you know, mountains literally and can pretty much bend steel but still has these moments where it's like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. He's the guy that always just, that radiates truth, justice, and hope. Yeah, and that's but that was the biggest thing that this, that this had. Like, and I, I love when they bring back the, the idea of hope. Yeah. You know, like when um, they talked about it in Man of Steel, you know, and what the S meant. Like that, you know, that was such a hit for me. Like that was like, oh, my God, like what? how powerful is that? You know, like that is a symbol of hope, you know, that – the, it's not just an S, like it is a symbol, you know, and and then you know you see the the moments of him being Superman, and you see just the the overall um, gravitas, yeah. you know, the the, yeah. the demand that he has on the screen when he's in the costume. I was like, fuck, this guy's nailing this, like this yeah. is flawless. And then you see the the Clark Kent moments, and you're uh-huh. like, fuck, because it's easy to be, you know, it's one thing to be a good Superman or a good Clark Kent. Very seldom does somebody put both things together. You know, like Christopher Reeves was great at both, but that was yeah. because the guy was just a brilliant actor. You know, yeah. Henry Cavill, you know, as great as he is as Superman, you know, does, does he leave a little bit for Clark Kent? Yeah. You know, you could argue that. Yeah. Um. So to see both characters being portrayed so well and so meaningful, I was like, I watched the episode with just like in awe of how perfect the performance was. Yeah, I mean, like I say, when Holden was doing dual duty, you really get the sense of the two stories, Clark Kent's 
and Superman. Right. And for people that get turned off to Superman, because I'll I'll face this and let me just kind of explain this. You can play the devil's advocate, sure. Yeah. Superman to me is only good if a writer can balance him out and give him realistic threats. Sure. Because at the end of the day, there is only a handful of villains in this DC Comics universe that can really challenge him. Mm -hmm. Right. The challenge is tapping into what can connect him to the reader. Yeah. And the reader can see the human problems. Right. Mm -hmm. So thus you see the relationship conflict he has with Lois, that he's trying to balance that out and be good to him, or be good to her, rather. You're seeing that he's trying to be good to his parents, and obviously we see as we go through the story of Smallville, he loses his father. Right. And he's trying to be there for his mother as well. And then after he gets married, he now has twin boys. Yep. Which is a very new concept in the comics because he we do know about Jonathan Kent. Right. right. Is very established in the DC Comics universe. Jordan Kent is a whole new ball of wax here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And as we see that his conflict is he's still trying to be the, the symbol of hope for the world, but he can't be the symbol of hope for his family. Yeah. And it's such a very dynamic that you get entranced with this show. That it's sitting there going, okay... He can stop basically anybody on the planet because so he's he, Superman. He stops a, a, a nuclear reactor from going sky high. That yeah. scene, like, like, sick. Th- there's one point where he hear, like, I think he's in the middle of the reactor, and he hears a scientist working through with his super hearing, and he hears a scientist going, "If this keeps going, this is going to be worse than the Fukushima explosion." And I went, "Oh fuck!" Yeah, <laughs> like they yeah. set the stakes high with that one. Yeah, I, and I mean the 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 delivery of him, you know, going into the water and you know freezing, the, oh my god, that whatever was ocean or, or lake that it was, and pulling out the the perfect shape, you know, to cool the reactor. That was something you'd see out of the comics. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, that was something you'd see. Out, I mean, you literally you did see it in you know one of the uh, Christopher Reeves film. I That's think it was four. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, so like. Or three. Um, so, no, no, it was four. So, like, you you literally see these moments where you're just like, oh, my God. Like, the, the symbolism, you know, again, the symbolism, which is such a, a key thing. And, you know, to your point, too, about, like, the human aspect of, of being able to connect the villain to him. Like, you know, I, we, you know, us, we grew up with the, the Reeves movies where Lex Luthor was the villain. And, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and Luthor at the time wasn't, a, 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 you know, foe as in his fist. But mentally, you yeah. know, the challenge that he presented to Superman. Yeah. So I always respected the the aspect of Luther will go to any means to defeat Superman. So, like, I I grew up on that. So I get the connection of anybody can be a threat to him that possesses the ability to want to go to the next level. Yeah. So, like, but for the general person, for the, for the um, you know, not Superman, you know, fan, yeah, you have to find that connection, and I think they did that with this potential villain because obviously, you know, there was that great clash, which I was a little bit apprehensive of how they would tell, you know, any sort of battle because right, it's TV, you mm-hmm. know, that doesn't have the budget of no. you know a Snyder multi-million dollar blockbuster yeah. film. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? So when they did the first toe, the toe to toe with the villain, I was like. I wonder how this is going to play. I, I thought it was just going to be straight fist and quote, unquote slow motion. And then all of a sudden you see the chase scene, the flying, and I'm like, oh, they're taking this. Well, there. and especially for some of the other Arrowverse shows and, and the battles they've had. And this is a knock I know, Ken, you and I have said on the show before, mm-hmm. that because it's a TV and like, Coach, everything you just mentioned, it's TV. They don't have movie budgets. 
even for this, just overall production value and the special effects, this was a couple notches up from what I'm used to with some of the other CW stuff. Yeah. You know what it felt like to me, to be honest, was a DC Universe show. I had the same thought. Yeah? It did for the budget. Like, this reminded me, like I say, strictly budget-wise, Stargirl. Yeah, okay. like this reminded I, me of it, it. It seemed like a couple notches up from what we're used to with Flash and yeah. Arrow. Oh yeah, and yeah, everything else. That yeah, it's it's CGI and we can tell, but like it's not the high quality. This was like some high quality stuff. Oh yeah, and, like, Ooh, and okay. You, and you see it going from everywhere where he stops a nuclear reactor, and then they start playing into that mystery with Lois's dad being the general of saying, "Hey, we gotta go stop whoever this threat is." Right. That is obviously leaving a message for Clark. And saying, you know, you're nothing, son of Jor-El, and I will find you. Yeah, and, and I know everything about you. And I know everything about you. So it was kind of a little mystery going on. And then to balance out his home life where he has a disconnect with his son, Jordan. Yeah, who who, I, who developed, you know, like that. And that was a really, um, I thought, a great point to have, you know, the one son, you know, Jonathan B., a star athlete. Mm-hmm. You know, all the charisma, all the, uh, yeah. you know, all the cool things. Uh, you know, and be that sort of level, and then have on the flip side of it, you know, Jordan, uh, ang- riddled with anxiety, uh, obviously, you know, so uh, socially distant, you know, type of, of person who uh, is more of an introvert than an uh, outrovert as his brother. So, like, to have and then have your dad, you know, be and your mom, yeah. you know, not to mention, you know, Lois being obviously. Uh, the uh, number one, you know, writer reporter and in uh, reporter world. in the world, and then having your dad have this inner you know superman you know like and then to see him struggling just finding his role was awesome because then it presented this conflict again of you know clark having to figure out how to connect to jordan which parents have all the time you know yeah it's such a relatable scene and i will say i definitely want to give the writers kudos they put injustice too in the game yeah no i really love that i lost my i was like yeah let's i love that game. well i loved i loved him too you know beating the shit out of superman and then him being like you know, oh, you got Superman in your game, bud. That's a pretty realistic looking Superman. And then him turn and be like, I'm raiding, dad. Superman's boring. Yeah. I see. I love that line because like I, so when I had a son, you know, literally the first things that ran through my mind was the Richard Donner, uh, uh, quote of, you know, the father seeing the son, uh, is the eyes through his son. Now the son sees the eyes through his father literally said that to the, my son, the day, you know, minute he was born. Um, I wanted him to grow up being a Superman fan, but like Batman's so prevalent, you know, my wife and I had this discussion cause I was like, I want Finn to be a Superman fan. And she's like, but Batman, you know, is the most, you know, he's the most well-known. And I'm like, yeah, but like, you gotta understand, like it's Superman, you know what I mean? So to see him say the line of Superman being born it lit- or boring, I was like, God, this is, that's a, that's a little baited. Like that's a meta joke. Cause like yeah. a lot of people think Superman is boring. Like that's awesome to put that in there. Well, I think this is what the challenge the writers have, and I think they played it to a T. They they caught the essence of the boys. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. On. Yeah. Spot on. And as we see, Clark is trying to go through being the good father to his children, but he's also trying to be the good son. And as he's talking with his mother, Martha, he does know the next day he gets called back to Smallville yeah. by the doctors. Dr. Fry. Yep. Which was a Easter egg to the Donner films. Yes. Very yep. good catch on that. <laughs> And as we see, Superman flies back in time to find out that his mother has passed away. Yep. Which is a very tough. emotional scene. Yeah. That scene yeah. was tough. Oh, yeah. Like, I know that, you know, that this isn't going to get any awards, but, like, that was, god damn, man, that was great acting. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, we've seen, you know, his father die 
goodness knows how many times. And each time it happens, you know, it, while it's a different portrayal and different circumstances in some instances, it's still like, oh, you know, that sucks. But seeing this was like, oh, you know, fresh knife twisted in the old heart. Yeah, because in the Reeves film, mom passes away, but you never even yeah. see it. You know, yeah. he's just yeah. on the farm, you know, yeah. picking up relics, right. you know, and while they, the, after the funeral. Yeah, and then I think in the animated series, they're both alive. They are, yeah. And then in Smallville, the father dies, but the mother is there while she leaves, but she's still alive. Yeah. Yeah, the, in the comics, it's, it's real messy. I'm just going to Well, I mean, com- but comics are, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Time, timeline resets and all wait that. Wait a minute, the comics aren't simple and streamlined? <laughs> Marvel it is. No. Hey, is it, though? That's debatable. Um, but no, like... Uh, yeah, if then Fantastic Four die and come back, I mean, let's talk messy. Uh, but anyway, multiverse, I, multiverse. separate, yeah. separate yeah. universes for the X Men. But um, no, I, I when I saw the scene, I was like, God damn, that punched yeah. you right in the gut. You yeah, know? yeah, it definitely did. And I mean, how Tyler Hoechlin played this along with Elizabeth Tolich, absolutely crushed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, how they were handling this because now the family has to go back to Smallville. Where they find out things are a lot different than they oh, left. Oh, and Lord so... knows the kids aren't thrilled about it. Uh, where what is it? Jonathan says, "Oh, great, we're going back to Smallville, where you can spend an, an, <laughs> an entire year in one afternoon." Yeah, yeah, I thought it was very cool how they played out. And then Clark runs into an old friend. I figured out who this was very quickly. Yeah, Lana. oh, I knew as soon. Yeah, yeah I knew as soon so, as she walked well, in. As soon as they started walking towards her, and the puppy dog look Clark had on his eyes, my dad went. Who's that? I go based off the look on his face. I'm guessing it's Lana. Yeah, yeah. as soon as well, as soon as she turned around, the music started. I was like, oh no, no, there's there's our Lana. Yep, played by Emmanuel Kruki, and she did a fantastic job. Yeah, yep. And we find out what has really been going on. That Martha Kent, in true Kent fashion, mm-hmm. oh that scene too. God yeah. damn, yeah. like there was some heavy, there was some heavy stuff. Like yeah. so, I mean, I, obviously I'm flash forward, but like you find out that she had mortgaged off portions of the farm to pay off other people in the town who has been struggling's debt and she said something to the effect of like superman and you know lois drops that line of you know well yeah you know he i I can't even remember what she said exactly but something the effect of like you know superman must have gotten that idea from somewhere or she was you know i was just like fuck yeah. Stop doing this yeah. to me. Yeah, no, they tie it in um, perfectly because as Clark is finding out, there is more that's going on with this than he knows about. So uh-huh. obviously he's got an option that he's got to pay the mortgage off or the debt to the bank or he's got to sell, sell the property. And, and another thing, too, that I really liked that they did was Lana's husband. Yes. Oh, my God. Who was a dick. What a, yes, he was a huge dick. But I liked it because... Not only does he obviously understand the relationship that Lana and Clark have uh-huh. and is jealous of it, uh-huh. which I thought was paramount because, like, Lana also kind of came off dickish, too, when she talked about the bank thing. Yeah. So I was like, ooh, yeah. ooh, Lana. Some, some, some of the husband's to- rubbing off on the Yeah, wife. I was like, oh, is yeah. this going to be a backdoor? Lana actually is a bad guy. Obviously, it turned out she was just yeah. a pawn in this yeah. scheme. Yeah. But, like... Her husband being a dick, I really liked because as we see in the party scene, which we'll talk about in a little more detail, like Superman could have came in and just blew out the fire and fixed everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he didn't. He let the firefighters do their job because I think he understands that like this guy has you know, has been through it. So like his dickishness was not only towards Clark as you know, the love Lana always had, but yep. never, you know, came to fruition, but also his resentment to their connection to Superman because he sees himself as the hero, but doesn't get the praise or the justification that Superman does while he's saving people in a small town. Superman might be saving the world, but to him, 
to Lana's husband. He's saving the world what he sees. It yeah. was very Lex Luthor-esque. Uh, it was. Yeah. It was. It actually, yeah. absolutely was. And I, and I love that scene where we find out the father doesn't like Clark because as the kid with no filter says, oh, you know, we know you don't like him because you got real mad when mom was looking at his <laughs> Facebook page. And I'm laughing going, damn it, if every parent hasn't been in that situation oh, before. Oh, facts. Yeah. Dude, I literally, I watched the show and like as a dad, like just the nuances of the children, I was like, God damn. This, this is it. This is this is the kid moment right here. Yeah, when the kids are getting involved, it, it definitely was an interesting play, too, because you see Sarah Cushing, uh, played by Inn Navarrete, uh, definitely takes a liking to Jordan Kent, played uh-huh. by Alex Garrafin, and Jordan Elias, who plays Jonathan Kent, yep. kind of have this like bond there because they know that, okay, we're the young kids of this. Yeah. We have that kind of connection. Like, okay, we don't know what's going on with our parents, but let's kind of, you know, Meet in the middle here. Yeah. We're going to be stuck here. We all kind of feel like we're outsiders from Smallville. So let's see what happens. And as they start pairing off, they start going into the barn. Yeah, which yep. which which uh, they go, oh, our dad's told us not to go in there <laughs> because there's stuff in there that could kill us. Uh, and and the uh, Lana's daughter goes, well, I'm a, as a member of the FFA, I'll be the one to judge that. And my dad goes, yeah, no, there's probably stuff in there that can kill him. I go, yeah, especially if the ship is still in there. Well, yeah. I know. And I thought, or I thought maybe, like, because in the movies, they had kept kryptonite inside right. by the ship. So I was right. like, oh, maybe they come across that. And all of a sudden, one of the boys gets sick. Like, yeah, I didn't know. Like, and then obviously they walk by one of the, uh, you know, farming equipment. And they're like, well, that would kill somebody. Well, she, yeah. well, she, goes, <laughs> she goes, no, yeah, everything in here could kill you. Yeah. Yeah. And as we see that Jordan is trying to reset the Wi-Fi he winds up slipping. Which, which why is, is it in a barn? barn? Like, <laughs> well, I think we're gonna find out later on, probably that that is kind of a makeshift fortress of solitude, and mm-hmm. like not the real one, but right. like a makeshift. I, I also an, thought, an early one. Yeah. I also thought maybe it was like the transponder. Maybe that could be like her oh, router maybe. for her transponder, maybe. because obviously maybe. being out there probably doesn't have the best for satellite connection like in the inner city so it, it could quite possibly be yeah. so as jordan tries resetting it he does wind up knocking or knocking off some pipes yep yep and then they what makes it look like jonathan was the one who lunges in yeah. to save the yeah. day yeah it turned out to be jordan yeah. yeah and they both walk away basically unscathed mild concussions mild concussions both of them which yeah. i thought was interesting yeah how they worded that and as we find out later on in the episode jordan seems to be the one with the powers not jonathan yep. yeah which is going to be a play down the road and clark yeah because lana or not lana lois at one point they're not sure they think it's latent powers developing themselves and, and clark goes are we are we sure it's it's jonathan and and uh, lois goes have you seen him throw a deep route? I love that line. Yeah. I, well, because, I mean, the whole time, like, they're setting it up to be Jonathan because he throws the football at the yeah. tire, it knocks down, yeah. you know, Clark, you know, gives him the, you know, the elbow of, oh, look at that, you know, that's my yeah. boy, you yeah. know. And I'm like, oh, shit, like, you know, and, and the whole, and then he's the varsity quarterback as a freshman. So, like, they keep setting it up where, like, he's going to be the one with powers. And, like, the whole time I'm like, I kind of hope it's not because I yeah. would like the merit of him being, you know, a great athlete, just being him being a great athlete. Like that would be a great story. Um, and then obviously this all plays out with Jordan then being the one that ends up having the powers, I think makes it even better. Cause earlier in the episode, he said something about, you know, how do I know that my anxiety isn't caused by you hiding this from me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Which because once we get the big reveal, yeah. it opens up a whole different ball of wax. Right, which I was like, 
damn, that hit again on so many other levels because you th- you know you talk about these parents that have like you know they project diseases on their kids, which is you know definitely an unfortunate thing, like whatever. But like you you have that idea, and now you have you know Lois and Clark who are sitting here like I don't want to tell the boys you know the secret that I have because I don't want that burden on them. But did them not revealing that to them create more of a burden on the boys? Like, we don't know, you know? It's a great struggle for superheroes. When yeah. They have, when you try living a normal life and you try keeping your family safe, I mean, that's why they have them wear masks. Right. So, or wear glasses that, you know, your sons who see you every day can't do a little side-by-side view, which I, which Aaron and I got a real laugh when he took off the glasses and we're like, oh, he's Superman. Yeah. I can't, I'm just like... I can't wait for the day it's revealed that he has some kind of temporal mind control that he can block that out from people recognizing. Well, I always said, like, all right, at least, like, when... Because the Christopher Reeve stories were always, like, not only was it just the glasses, but the hair. Yeah. Like, the hair would come down the little curly cue, and, like, all of a sudden, like... And then his, you know, his posture would change and stuff. Like, that's how he always hit himself. But then when Henry Cavill came and portrayed him, it was like... There's no difference between how you're Clark Kent and how you're Superman. Like, so you know, to see like him take off the glasses, it's just like, come on, boys, are you that like your your dad? Like, you see Superman on the screen. How do you not look at your dad and say, "Hey, Dad, where's? Can you take your glasses off for a second? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it winds up being this kind of weird reveal, and and it it just plays as a show. I mean, when Clark finally decides to tell the boys what happens. But he does get called away because there's another attack on a nuclear plant. Yep. Uh-huh. And this is where the episode really picks up some steam because we get that fight scene that we've been talking about. Yep, where I was awesome because he f- boom, flies into the building. You know, the the uh, villain is kind of revealing, you know, all of these things that he knows about Superman and, uh, you know, that he knows that he can't see him behind lead. As he's cutting this promo, Superman, you know, is looking in through various like doors to finally find him. And then, you know, all of a sudden you see this moment of a freeze camera. And I'm like, that's why I thought it was going to be like a slow motion fight because like they do the, the, the pause camera, but then all of a sudden he takes off and it's full speed again. I'm like, yes. And then he throws him outside the building and I'm even more, I'm like, Oh my God, shit is getting real. Yeah. No, it was a fantastic scene. And then as it's kind of jumping around, we do see them go into space. Yep, mm-hmm. which then, also was sick. Yeah. Yes, and we see this armored person, because we don't know who he is. Nope. Armor kind of looked like Halo-esque. Yeah, it was yeah, a little bit. Trade- uh, you know, trademark. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I, mean, thought, I thought it looked, yeah, I was like, wait, is he fighting Master Chief? Yeah, like, right. Okay, well, this is going to get weird, but all right, I'm here. And we do see this gentleman stab Clark with some kryptonite. Which yeah. I have a little bit of a beef with. Okay, like it's Superman getting stabbed with kryptonite, and you're like falling, and you just pluck it out of you. Well, he struggled. He did struggle My, barely. Like, yeah, I mean, like, listen, like this well, that was stabbed an inch away from your heart. Like, Superman, don't like, come on. The only thing I can refer to is once he starts having the flashback, and you hear his uh, family call out because at this time, yeah. too, the sons are at a party, right. And things are going haywire because Jordan winds up kissing Sarah and Sarah's got a boyfriend. Like, the I'm, teenage drama. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just thinking, like, even in the Cavill films when he's fighting the Doom device and, like, he's struggling to do it. And, like, you know, it takes all of his might to do it. And, like, there's the kryptonite scene and everything. It's like, like, come yeah, on. The, like, he, the, like he, this. He, it doesn't just, like, Superman doesn't just pluck out fucking kryptonite and feel better. Like, it, it it's a struggle. Like, that that's small gripe. Small gripe, yeah, but it's just something that bothered me. I just treated it like it was adrenaline kicking in, and then 
Kryptonian DNA, like sure. it was something different. Like I, just, I, I agree with your point, though. Yeah, I do agree I just, with your point. As a real Superman fan, sure. like Kryptonite means something. So to him, just fucking discarding it, yeah. and then being better, like I was like, whoa, that's a little, that's a little much. That's a little John Cena esque, you know? Yeah. Like that, you don't just. You just don't bounce back, my guy. Like, it takes you basking in the sun. Yeah. You know, a little vitamin D. Well, I mean, rewatching Smallville, as I'm currently doing, I'm almost done with season two. At least early on from that show, Kryptonite would get involved, and it would almost always be somebody coming in right in the nick of time to cover it up, throw it away. And right. He, and he'd lay there for a couple, like, oh, no, this hurts, and I'm gone. Yeah. I. Then, I mean, I was like, yeah, we, I was 13 when that show came out, so I wasn't really noticing Kryptonite then. But, like, when you go back and you watch what Kryptonite did to Superman, you're like, all right, just to pluck it out of you. Like, the dude couldn't even touch it in some of the, you know, uh, depictions of Superman. All of a sudden, now he can pull it out with his bare hands? What movie? Uh, wasn't it? It was um, the Brandon Roth film. He couldn't even touch it. Oh, yeah. He yeah, couldn't, yeah, yeah. like, it burned his hands. So, like, to all of a sudden, just... Yeah. Weak. It, it was kind of weak, so it's like, okay. Or super strong. <laughs> yeah, one of the two. Like I said, I just chalked it up to adrenaline. Yeah, I, listen, I get it. And it was because that's what the, the story they were trying to say with him realizing the boys need him and stuff. Like, I and got it. A little it motivation from uh, Lois. Yeah. yeah. I, like I said, when Lois kicked in, it just turned everything to a different level. So Clark winds up coming in to kind of assess the situation going on because Jordan has used his powers now. To blow up a bonfire. Yeah, which that's going to just get messy as the season goes on. And what, what they find out later, oh, what did your dad think of that? Because we're really concerned about, oh, I think it was a pocket of methane gas. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody buys that for a second. Well, I mean, to, to be where they were, I, I kind of did get it. Because, like, they were in what looked like a coal mine. Sure. Yeah. So, sure. like, a yeah, methane pocket yeah. could have, you yeah. know. Yeah. I, but, yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah, no, I thought it was a Someone tells me that's what the father's telling her. That's not what he believes. Yeah, yeah. which I think we're going to find later on the road. Meanwhile, at all this point, too, because this ties into why this change of scenery is going to be taking place, is Lois has been investigating what is going on with these loans and yeah. why Martha yep. was involved. Because at one point she goes, listen, you have super hearing and, and super <laughs> sight. She goes, I have super smelling and something doesn't smell right. <laughs> to which Clark goes, you know I have super smelling too, right? <laughs> I just don't use it very often. Yeah. Yeah. So during this, she does find out that there is a connection going on with what is going on in Smallville with what happened at the Daily Planet. Yep. Because there is one character by the name of Morgan Edge. Now, we have heard this character's name get mentioned in Supergirl. Yep. Okay. So it's not the same actor playing it. Oh, interesting. So that's why I thought it was kind of interesting. Well, I mean, just a tidbit on that real quick. I know that this was the pilot, so they probably didn't want to do a little tie-ins. Sure. Um, but did anybody else really get a uh, odd vibe that it just really wasn't connected to anything in the Arrowverse at all? Well, I mean, for in terms of prior to this Arrowverse, he's the season what two of Supergirl. He's not even there. Mm-hmm. It's just text messages back and forth. And then, by and large, it was he'd make an appearance and then he'd leave. There wasn't really much to go off of, right? And I mean, to the Supergirl credit to that though, like. I mean, part of the story was they did go to uh, that Candoron. Yeah. You know, so, like, I, I I understood, like, his absence from there because, like, that's where he was supposed to be. But, like, now he's on Smallville. Right. And, like, to not have any, like, a news story come up of, like, the Flash does this or, like, 
anything was like a little bit like in the way that it was shot and the filming like it just really felt like it was totally separate and disconnected which i don't mind like don't get me wrong i just i really wondered and questioned like is this going to be like their first standalone or are they going to end up leading to something I think they're going to wind up leading to something, but I think they want to establish the groundwork first. Yeah, and which makes sense. And they'll, they'll tie in because I think yeah. I think that they're just really trying to focus on, okay, we need to break away from what Supergirl has established and forge her own identity. Right. Which they're going to do. Which, I mean, the bad guy obviously at the end reveals like that it's General Luthor. Captain so, Luthor. Captain Luthor. Yeah, Captain so, Luthor. Like, so, I mean, is he from, you know, maybe one of the other Earths that got destroyed? Like, that's always a possibility, and that would lead in, obvi- tie into Infinite Crisis. So, like, a lot of that would make sense. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different parts moving on. So, yeah. like I said, the Morgan Edge thing could be a, a ploy, and it could not be the real Morgan Edge. Like right. I said, th- there's so many different ways they yeah. can play it. The only thing that we know is there's a connection between Smallville and the Daily Planet. Because yep. the Daily Planet's been bought out, that they're seeing layoffs left and right. Clark was fired. Yep. So now they go back to Smallville and find the same person who's responsible for doing the buyouts. Yeah, very so, ironic. Yeah, so they decide, okay, we're going to decide to take a vote about moving here to Smallville and investigating. Yep. Which is going to be an interesting play to see how this goes. And as we touch upon, too, at the end of the show, we find out that Master Chief of the <laughs> Arrowverse turns out to be talking to an AI and mm-hmm. then is referred to as Captain Luthor. Yep. Now, we yeah. never see this person's face. We do see that person is bald. Yep. Yep. So where we go from here is anybody's guess, but that's how they leave the show off. Yeah, and I, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a way to end the show. Yeah. You know, definitely led to more questions than answers, so I thought oh, yeah. that was good because yeah. I obviously, after f- seeing the fight scene and seeing him need rocket boosters to fly, I was like, all right, so we know he's not Kryptonian. Like, that's the one thing, like, at least is answered. So Right, well, what did he say? He said he's from what, he was from nearby Krypton or something to that effect. Well, like he's he said not, something that his planet exploded too. Yeah, so yeah, so it sounds like it, it sounds like it, it was in the same neighborhood, not necessarily for, on Krypton, but in that general vicinity. Yeah, yeah. So how he's going to play off is going to be anybody's guess, but he does know Superman's true identity. So is this going to be the Lex Luthor of this? Well, he we knows know? his true Kryptonian. Yeah, he identity. knows he knows his Kryptonian. So, yeah. it, like I say, is it going to be a Lex Luthor type moment? I don't know because I mean, obviously. If they are now merged in the same universes, they're going to kind of have to explain something. And I think you touched upon that it is going to be Alexander Luthor from Infinite or Identity or yeah, Infinite Crisis. Yeah, mm-hmm. that we're going to see that kind of play out. So I mean, there's so many different possibilities going. But for what this show did, I think they nailed it out of the park. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited to see a Superman portrayal. And you know, like my son, like we had put him to bed, and he kind of like got up and. It was, like, right in the middle of, like, Superman wearing the suit. So he was like, oh, my, you know, Superman show, like, I want to watch it. And we were like, well, maybe, you know, you can catch it later. Like, you know, it's not going to catch the younger generation, you know, with the action scene. Like, you know, a lot of the other stuff does. But, you know, at the same time, the story that's going to tell from, like, our generation and, you know, the, the older generation and even some teens that will be able to connect to the characters being, you know, that there's two, um, you know, teenage boys on the show. It's going to introduce a whole new generation of Superman, which I appreciate a ton. See, I think it can hook the kids like you, like yours because, to me, I was going to save this for my final thoughts, but I'll say it now. To me, I got some very heavy vibes off of this show from early seasons of Smallville, where minus the freak of the week thing with Smallville, which mm-hmm. relied heavily on for the, the couple early, a couple of the early seasons. Ugh. You know, it, it reminded me very much of the early seasons of Smallville where it's got the core essence of Superman family 
you know, the powers and responsibility and this, but it doesn't lean too heavily into kind of the lore and get too deep into the stuff with Superman that like, it's enough there that like, okay, if you're a Superman fan, you're hooked, but it's not so deep that if you're, you know, like your son or somebody who's, just, oh, I've seen a Christopher Reeve movie and I've seen the, the Henry Cavill Man of Steel, but I'm not that big into it. It's enough that like, it's good for the, the diehard fans like us. But it's also enough for the folks like my father who saw the Christopher Reeve movies. I, he's seen the Man of Steel movie once or twice. He's not that big a Superman fan, but he liked it. Yeah, I mean, the problem with my son is that, you know, with the Marvel films, the action. Sure. So, you know, that's that's how you catch the kids' uh, attention in, in a one-hour show. Sure. How yeah. much of an action scene are they going to have? Because I really, and I mean, I really predict that this show is going to be a a lot more dedicated to the smaller picture yeah. of things, and you're going to see the bigger picture Superman stuff very seldomly. Like, it's going to be used almost like a, if we can compare it to wrestling, like when a big-time uh, retired star comes back, uh, like The Rock or John Cena, like it's going to be used when it means something. It's not going to just be used. It's not going to be every week. Yeah, it's not going to be every week. There's going to be episodes where it's going to be Superman-less, and people are going to be like, oh, my God. But, like, for us, like, the people that love the character, like, we're going to still r- r- gravitate towards it because it's still the story. You know what I mean? So, like, people, if you don't see Superman in an episode, like, chill. You'll get it down the road. Like, there will obviously, there's a big bad guy. Captain Luthor's out there. Like, it's going to be a problem that Superman's going to have to solve. But you're going to get seen, you're going to get episodes where it's going to be Lois investigating stuff. Yep. And it's going to be Superman maybe pewing a lock, you know, with his laser eyes or heat vision to, you know, undo the lock so Lois can get in. It's going to be that stuff. Just deal. Like it's gonna. There's gonna yeah. be a payoff. I'll say. I, I just can't wait for them to get into some of the other rogues because there's there's a few that I'm thinking of that I'm like, oh, if we can get to them using this villain, I am all for it. Right. I think what this show did was hit its mark on establishing Superman can be relevant in the year 2021. Sure. Yeah. For an audience that gets very disposable, mm-hmm. and let's face it, the attention span of some fans is you gotta hit me one episode to get me hooked. They're not going to sit around and wait for something to build. Right. This show definitely hit all the marks it needed to. Mm-hmm. Because not only did you show a flawed Superman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You showed one that had the big action sequences. Yep. You showed the one that was the symbol of hope that we all resonate with as being comic book fans. Because you want to see that in your superheroes. Right. You saw everything that you wanted to see out of the show, that it had a different feel from other shows you've seen on the CW. And Which was perfect. Yes. Because that, that really needed to be. Because a problem with a lot of the Arrowverse shows is that they just all kind of follow a similar pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so for this show to have more of a, of a separate, different vibe, I thought was perfect because we don't need Arrow 2.0. We don't need Flash 2.0. Like We needed a Superman show, and I really think we got it. Yeah, we definitely did. And I think what they did is they borrowed a lot from Black Lightning's first season because I always say that season is always family-oriented first. Like, If you haven't seen Black Lightning's first season, it's absolutely epic. And I think they borrowed kind of the same thing where we can show a superhero not having to be the superhero. Right. Let's see the family dynamic. And let's see how this looks. And especially you have children that are flawed. Right. That they're not the perfect Boy Scouts that you are portrayed to be. And they don't know where they fit. Either, yeah. which is also another connection that they have to their father. 
Yeah, which I thought they did a, a great job establishing. They didn't tie too much into his past, and they definitely made it bright for the well, future. And the other awesome thing with the show is they said in the episode that you would think, oh, you know, Jordan's going to start developing the powers like Clark did, and Clark just, oh, here, here's what I did, here's what you do. But they said from the out, from when he started developing his powers, he said, Clark said he's developing his powers in a way I didn't. So yep. it's like, okay, you have your experiences to lean on. But it's not entirely going to apply here. And yeah. I, let me just get my one gripe in there. And I texted you guys, and, mm-hmm. and I put it on Twitter. Tyler Auckland, you did fantastic. Your acting skills tremendous. You carried the banner well. I just wish you would have put on about ten more pounds of muscle. I'm sorry. The chest piece, the suit looked a little awkward when he was trying to fill that thing out. I, I just ten more pounds. That's all I think you need. Just ten more. Because I think of when I think of Superman. I'm thinking of Henry Cavill, who mm. put on a good amount of size for being only five foot nine. Yeah, and I'm also thinking of the comic books. And I'm not saying I want you, I want you to be like a lugging looking bodybuilder, but like just ten more pounds, just fill out the chest piece a little bit more, just fill it out. That's all. That was it. That was my thing. I was like, yeah. And Aaron was like, Sean, seriously, like, and I go, I know it's dumb, but like that's just how I when I envision my Superman, like. That's, the suit was perfect. Yeah. Just if he would have actually filled out the suit and not had that chest piece. That's it. You never know. A season might go on. He might start doing that. Hey, I mean, if it gets a season two, you know, you never know. He could always do it. Already confirmed for season two. Well, yep. then, Tyler, if you will, just oblige one man who has one small critique of your wonderfully well-done show, 10 pounds. We do know people from the CW who listen to the show, so you know it's not going to fall on deaf ears. So let's just say that. And I, I guess I can't tell you to put on that weight. I guess that's not. Just <laughs> step on the scale, see what it says, step off of it, and add 10 pounds. That's what I want. No, if I can borrow that line from Knocked Up, that's what I want. We'll give you that. But definitely <laughs> a lot to take away from this episode. Definitely strong debut for Superman and Lois. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH or hashtag ODPH pod, whichever you want to use. Let us discuss Superman and Lois in detail. Is this going to be your new show for this 2021? Yes. Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News. Time for another segment here on the ODPH podcast, and time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. It was Agatha the whole time. It wasn't Agatha in the Elimination it, Chamber. It was me, Agatha. It was me all along. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would have been epic. That would have been great. That would have been so epic. But no, no, no. We have to recap the WWE Elimination Chamber yeah. that went down this past Sunday. A uh, lot of moving and shaking going on for WrestleMania, so we have a clear direction of what is happening. Kind of surprising, too, for uh, you know a, a pay-per-view before WrestleMania. I mean, a lot of times it's kind of just the 
you know, the Elimination Chamber obviously excels itself because of the carnage that can happen, but not a lot of title changes go on at this point to Mania because normally a lot of the title situations and pictures are kind of set. Yeah. So this one definitely was an interesting pay-per-view on a lot of different fronts. The shortest one in recent memory, which... Yeah, also uh, weird. Well, due to circumstances outside their control. Right, which, like I said, I I understand it was outside their control, but I wasn't mad that it was a short pay-per-view. Why? Uh, Well, one, because Lacey Evans is legit pregnant. Right. Oh, Uh, so so they 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 cut that match out. They cut that match out, yeah. And then Keith Lee was taken out of the Riddle match. The, okay. The triple threat. Yeah, yeah. even though oh. they, they did add John Morrison in. so But I, I think they might have shortened that match up because oh, of that. Okay. So, Pad, we got the breakdown of what happened this past Sunday? So, yeah, as we mentioned, uh, Keith Lee, because of injury, had been taken out of the United States Championship triple threat match. Uh, so, on the pre-show, they had a fatal four-way to determine who would take his spot, and that was between uh, Mustafa Ali, Ricochet, Elias, and John Morrison. And John Morrison emerged victorious uh, to earn a spot in the triple threat. Yeah, why would they give it to Ricochet? Yeah, I was I was kind of disappointed he didn't get the shot. I was I was actually hoping Ali did. Well, I mean, that would have been nice for Retribution to have some sort of fucking, like, momentum behind them. But you know what? I think they're already planning on burying the gimmick, which is long overdue. It was buried the moment it debuted. Oh, I agree. But now they've been having the tease of the breakup. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, They they ended up costing Ali the match uh, in the end because they got Fatal 4-Way. No disqualifications. They tried helping, but in reality, they didn't. Yeah, so end of the day, though, I mean, that gimmick's going to be going away by Mania. I'm I'm guaranteed. They might even do a stipulation between him and Kofi. Yeah. Like, who knows what's going to happen there. Yeah. But end of the day, John Morrison gets the W, so he got put in the U.S. title match. Yep. Uh, So then we went into the main show, which led off with, I guess you could call it the SmackDown Elimination Chamber match. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was between uh, Cesaro, Jey Uso, Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan, King Corbin, and Sami Zayn, where the winner would go on to face uh, Roman Reigns that night for the Universal Championship. Uh, And Daniel Bryan emerged victorious. Thoughts on this, Coach? Uh, Cesaro got some shine. Yeah, and I was very yeah, happy. I was very happy about that because he obviously cut that great promo on Talking Smack, um, and has a lot of momentum behind him. So to be in this match, a and then b get opportunities to you know have interactions with you know Kevin Owens, who's been a staple of the SmackDown brand since he's been there. Obviously, has been in the title picture of the last three pay per views. Mm-hmm. To go up against Daniel Bryan and have moments against him, who obviously Daniel Bryan speaks for himself, his career body of work in the WWE. So like. To have Cesaro go in there and really dominate, um, you know, I would probably say two-thirds of the match yeah. was awesome. You know, this was the longest match of the night, uh, clocking in at 34 minutes and 7 seconds, but it didn't feel like it. It was a great way to start off the card and really got me into it. You know, everybody performed really well, and there was a shine with everybody. Nobody, you know, I felt didn't feel anybody got left out on the side. Everyone had their moments where it's like, holy shit, I can't believe they're doing this, but a great match. First off, Sami Zayn. Rock star. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I loved his work in this match. Everybody, like Pat touched upon, everybody got their shine in this one. Cesaro looked impressive, uh-huh. yep, which I think for a lot of people that forgot about him, he's now starting to get some attention thrown back on him, which yep. is long overdue in my opinion. I don't know if people necessarily forgot about him or more so just like... They remembered him? No, like they just... For like us, it was he's just not ever going to be in the title picture, and like we kind of accepted that. And now this kind of... 
sets our hopes up again of, well, maybe he will get something, you know? So it almost might have set us up for failure. It almost might have, too. I mean, we got to kind of wait and see. But I do like the fact that they're teasing enough contenders for the throne. Yeah. Right. That you're not just stuck in, like, okay, one guy is going to win this match and that's or, it. You know, Roman Reigns is facing Kevin Owens for the 19th time. Yeah. Well, and that's what, I mean, we obviously went in thinking that that's what it was going to be because, like, does it make sense for anybody to win it to have a title match at this at this juncture with Edge right around the corner, like it didn't make sense. See, I thought Daniel Bryan was actually going to win this. Oh, yeah, uh, you did say that. You did say that. Because the minute Friday night on SmackDown, Edge and Roman got physical. Right. Right. I was like, it's Edge and Roman. Yeah, I'm not happy about it. I'm, I'm not happy either. Like, well, let me say this. I'm not ecstatic about it. I'm right. not. I'm not mad about it. I get it, but I'm not right. like. Right. Okay. I just to me it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like th- what? Because they both do a spear. Well, I think they're going to try setting up the storyline as it goes on. Now they got a little time to work, so they'll make something happen. I like. I have full faith in Heyman and company with this one. Sure. But I figured, okay, well, if they got physical. Well, this is Debray's moment. He's going to get his yeah. little title shot. Yeah. Right. And then immediately after he won in a complete heel move. Roman comes to the ring. Well, he'll move, but they announced it on the fucking pre-show, and that's one thing that annoyed me with Michael Cole. They win the match, and Debray's having his moment. They're raising the cage. They said on the pre-show that immediately after this the Elimination Chamber match with the SmackDown superstars, they will face Roman Reigns. Roman's music hits, and Michael Cole goes, I guess we're going to have that match right now. Oh, yeah. see, I didn't watch I the mean, pre-show. I missed, I missed that on yeah, the pre-show, no, they, too. Yeah. They said it on the pre-show multiple times. That, oh, immediately after that match, they will face Roman Reigns. I mean, to me, that still feels like, though, Paul Heyman's negotiation skills. Like, that's how I'm going to That's be, how I'm gonna spin it in my head. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they said on the pre-show, it'll immediately after that match, he'll face Roman Reigns. Well, it would make sense because, I mean, the heel character work Roman's been doing, it, yeah. it just fit, it fit right in. So right. I, I wasn't mad about this. I wasn't mad at the ending at all. I know it went real short. Yeah. Well, uh, well so, yeah, Debra having won the Elimination Chamber match, went on to face Roman Reigns immediately after in a match that was only six seconds longer than Goldberg versus Brock at Survivor Series. Uh, one minute, that match was one minute and 26 seconds. This match was a minute and 32 seconds. Yeah, but, I mean, that tells the story of the Elimination right. Chamber. See, it, it does, and I knew Roman was going to win. That under no circumstances did I think Daniel was going to win. I was just hoping we'd get something a little longer out of it. No, I'm not saying a 25-minute slugfest, but Jesus Christ, give us five minutes. No, I, I thought it was perfect. It was the way it needed to be. Yeah, I mean, you just want to get that initial reaction from Roman. Like and, not, not that he needed it, but it worked. Right, and and yeah, and it worked, and then it led to the edge thing, which is really what they were trying to get to, which right. I still am not happy about. Right. And I will voice that opinion all the way to WrestleMania. Nah, bring it on, man. I'm not I'm not mad at you. I just, I, I don't, it, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, if I'm Edge, like, either A, I'm trying to chase the title that I never gave up. Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been the story that, you know, I don't I'm, I don't know. I just fucking, st- like, they're not going to have a great match. Like, Edge can't fucking bump, and Roman doesn't fucking bump. So, like, what are you going to do? Like, well, I, I think that, I understand your point. Like, I'm not dismi- dismissing sure. it. Please, sell me it, because I would appreciate them being excited. No, I think what they're going to just do here is they do have some story to build off of. Not much, but they do have something. I mean, Edge coming back, it's the fairy tale and you know, comeback of all comebacks. He gets the wins the Royal Rumble, wins the championship. But wouldn't that be chasing the raw title? Would be the fairy tale story? You would think, 
But I, th- but I think for what Roman wants to do is Roman wants to solidify himself as a as a legend. What better way than take out the legend of WrestleMania and, and Edge is one of them. All right. Uh, like I say, it's not a great story per se, but I want to give him time to breathe with it. I will say the only good thing about the Roman Debray match was the Roman had went for the spear and Debray countered immediately into the S lock. Yeah, that was beautiful. Yeah, how they almost, how they teased that ending was great too. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I wasn't mad about it at all. Yeah, so uh, after that was the United States Championship match uh, between Bobby Lashley defending against John Morrison and Matt Riddle. Or, I'm sorry, Riddle. Uh, with Riddle emerging victorious as your new. Oh, did uh, they drop the mat? Yeah, they dropped to Matt being your new United States champion. Stop doing that. People have two names. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't yeah. understand. It's a Vince thing. Like, yeah. are they, when the next uh, 2K game comes out, if it ever does, like, are they only going to let you pick one name? I don't know. I'm going to type it in. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens. Um, no, I, this match was... It was okay. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, it's cool to see Matt Riddle have a title. Uh, I definitely didn't project. I I didn't see it happening so soon. Um, and I definitely am surprised at how the story is playing out with you know now this deal between. Um, and it was kind of weird too the way that it was told that like the Miz brokered a deal that I guess like John Morrison wasn't aware of, but then like was aware of, and now he cost. Him the U.S. title so he can get in a WWE. What, they're what, very weird. They're try, convoluted. They were trying to do this multi-layered storyline, and it yeah. just didn't come off that way because because yeah. it basically was like Miz was masterminding this whole plan at the expense of John Morrison, so they can set up the initial breakup between them. It would have worked better if they had cut out all the stuff prior to what happened later in the night that we'll get to. Right, and then the next night on Raw, like we had show happened, the video, show like, hey. Yeah, you won the belt, but you didn't tell people how it happened. Roll the footage. Yeah. And then show it. And then we go, holy shit, what a heel. Because it's yeah. funny, too, because uh, I had read, like, a report. I think it might have been Cage Side or somebody that said, like, if, um, if um, oh, my God, uh, the U.S. title before uh, the, oh, my God, the guy from the Hurt. List. Lashley? Lashley. Jesus, fuck. Uh, if Lashley didn't get in the world title picture now, then he was never going to get in it. So, like, it was really funny that I read that story, and then that night he did lose the U.S. title, and then the next day is in the world title picture. Well, I know Rich and I talk about this on uh, 607 TWS all the time. If yeah. you asked six months ago about Lashley being a world title contender, we would have said you're out of your mind. No, well, and, well, when Lashley came back, it was heavily rumored that, oh, that's Brock's opponent. Yeah, at, he wanted Brock. Like, whatever, yeah, whatever back was, for Brock. Summer, SummerSlam. Like, oh, that's going to be Brock's opponent at SummerSlam. Like, that's why they brought him back, was to be a legitimate threat to Brock. Well, and then, obviously, storylines happened, and it didn't go off the way it should have. And But once he got with the Hurt business, you now started to believe, like, Yeah, got okay. a little new life. Yeah. Yeah, so just, obviously. It took a couple miles to get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It did, but you know we're here. A couple now. years, yeah. we're here now, and like I was saying, I'm fully sold on this. The minute that Riddle won, I was shocked because I thought Keith Lee was going to win this, and the fact that I thought the match was shorter than expected well, because he wasn't there. Hey, Austin three sixteen, you know, yeah, somebody, st- you know, so, so obviously the title coming off of Lashley was in the plans. Yeah, that know? was that was in the plan to be. So yeah. I, I wasn't mad about it because the minute after this happened, I'm like, Lashley's going for the world belt. Yeah, this is just the only thing I didn't get was uh, Riddle wearing the evil Knievel gear, like. Why? It's a riddle. Yeah, about it. 
Matt. Uh, Matt. It's yeah. Matt Riddle. It's Matt. We'll just call him Matt from now on. Uh, up next was Coach's favorite match of the night, and the one he was most excited for, that was the Women's Tag Team Championship match between Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending against Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Ooh, ooh, Ken, ask me. Ask me what my reaction was to this match. Uh, I should mention just quickly that Nia Jax and, Sasha, and Shayna Baszler did emerge victorious to retain the Women's Tag Team Championship. Coach, what was your reaction? I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, I knew you weren't, so... <laughs> y- you honestly... I didn't even... I saw the entrance, and I think it was... up oh, Time to Bath- go! Bathroom break. Ba- I don't even think it was a bathroom break. I think I was going outside to watch the snowfall. No, I mean, wow. this match for... Ooh, this oh, m- I said it. No, no credit, no discredit to uh, Sasha Banks and... Uh, Bianca. Bianca, you know, no no disrespect there. You, you two put on great performance. Yeah. Given the fact that you were given chicken shit, and you still made chicken salad. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, for me... This match was, you know, probably second from the bottom. I'm not counting the Debra versus Rowan encounter because that's not even a match. You know, bottom of the list, I'd I'd say the Riddle Lashley Morrison match was bottom just because it just because it was eh, it was okay, you know. But this one, there was some good, there were some cool moments to it, you know. There it was it was a little bit of fun. It wasn't you know anything of like oh holy shit I got to tell people to go watch this back. That, oh my god you won't believe what happened. It was okay. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on with Carmella's sommelier. Like that just came yeah. out of nowhere. Like as, as someone who doesn't watch SmackDown because I'm busy with my girlfriend on Friday nights, I was confused as <laughs> hey. all fucking hell. Bow yeah. chicka bow wow. Yeah, that whole storyline is just because yeah. legitimately, like they really need to do something about that because they didn't. As someone, like I said, I don't watch back. I had no idea what the fuck was going. Yeah, on. Yeah, I knew that he had gotten involved in the uh, Sasha Banks Carmella uh, pay per view from the what was the one before Rumble? Yeah. Was that? Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. So yeah. he was involved in that title match, and I saw that, and I know that they wrestled at one point, Sasha and him. But like all of a sudden, like. You know, he's now, like, getting involved in their business. I was like, this doesn't make a ton of sense. It It, just happened out of nowhere. It's a weird storyline that I think eventually they're going to have Reginald face Callisto. Because Callisto is actually, like, really best friends with Sasha Banks in, like, real life. Like, they're actually, like, really friends. So, and I know he was kind of almost, like, they were almost thinking, like, Callisto was going to be doing the same kind of role for Sasha. Maybe. A little bit. Weird. Yeah, it's it's something, like, along those lines. But I will say this. If they do a Reginald versus Callisto program, I'd be okay with it. Wouldn't be mad about it at all. But this whole storyline and this whole match was kind of like, meh. And I'm just... I, 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 as much as a Shayna Baszler fan I am, right, and I I love Sasha. It's gotta Banks. be painful. I love it's gotta Bianca be painful Bell. to be a Blazer fan right now. Yeah, like I, I just. I mean, I, this, I don't... this match was okay, but like we knew that uh, Bianca and Sasha weren't gonna win. Like, right, and I'm, it's and, it's a filler. It's and, it's just a because then you got over. people like me who aren't high on Blazer, and now we can just dump on you right now. Yeah, because she's. Awful. Uh, you stop that right now. She's <laughs> only awful because she's getting weighed down by Naya. The just, I'm the, the pairing is just not working for me. No, like, it hasn't I, worked from the de- from right. the moment it started. That's why I'm hoping they drop the belt at NXT. On I'm saying, well, when you've got only one, well, maybe one legitimate tag team no, well, that hurts. Too. Yeah, that on doesn't the, on the main roster. I'm sorry, I'm not buying Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. It just doesn't work when you're trying to do a team held. No, 2.0. 2.0, and there's no tag teams that are like actually like legitimate clicking tag teams to tell a story because that was the whole point of Team Hell No was two guys who don't get along all of a sudden can come together to win a match against these teams of seasoned tag team people that they're like, how are they pulling out these matches? Well, they just they just do it, you know, yeah, like Sheamus it doesn't work. Yeah, it just yeah. doesn't work when it's just 
pair one female wrestler with another female wrestler. They're a tag team now. Yeah, that's one thing I think WWE... This ain't, this ain't a video game. I'm yeah. actually... You know what, though? I'm kind of surprised that uh, Sasha and Bianca didn't win because I went in thinking they were because it's like that's the classic WWE story. Two adversaries who are do, or who are destined to face each other, even though Bianca hasn't declared who she's going to face prior to that match. You know, they're destined to be a tag team together and inevitably lose the belt, split up, and I then mean, face each other. Like, kinda, that's what they always do. They kind of just did that with Sasha and Bailey. Yeah. Yeah, and they, well, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, they've done it with Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold back in the day. Like, yeah. they do it all the time. So, like, when I saw this, I was like, that would make perfect sense. I think they just did it to throw a swerve. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that was the whole point of it. It was like, okay, let's swerve everybody. Yeah. And not do it, but it was what it was. Sure. Next up. Uh, you had the second Elimination Chamber match, this time for the WWE Championship, because Drew McIntyre was involved and was defending his belt, uh, going up against the likes of AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, and Sheamus, uh, with Drew McIntyre emerging victorious to, at that point, retain his WWE Championship. Not a bad match. No. Not as good as SmackDown. No. N- no. This, no, this was definitely the second best Chamber match of the night. Yeah. Well, there was only two. Right. <laughs> So, it, so it was, you know, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. This match didn't do much for me. I, um, you know, the the Sheamus thing was whatever. You know, AJ Gang broke out of the back of the cage when the moment was, that was cool. there. Yeah, I mean, it was whatever. Like, just because the Elimination Chamber, like, you know, you have your entrance come in. So, like, really, what advantage of it do you get by coming in when there's still four other guys? Like, the advantage is being the last one out of your pod. Yeah, like right. you wouldn't want to be the one who gets out of the pod to be like, all right, I'm the third man in. Instead, you could have been the last guy in. So, whatever. And then, uh, you know, Randy Orton. That shit was weird. I yeah, I really thought Randy Orton would have lost because Bray. See, yeah. I thought I thought Bray might have come gotten involved too because there was the whole ritual on Monday night. But I thought at least initially it was like, did somebody fuck up and Randy get eliminated? Before he should have? Because I, if you go back and watch the match, Randy gets eliminated. He gets the hell out of Dodge and leaves. Well, before RKOing everybody. Before RKOing everybody. But then it's it's like everybody in the ring just turned on a switch and, and business started picking up and the action started picking up. So I'm watching this going, did, did somebody screw up and eliminate Randy before he was supposed to? It makes you wonder, but I think everything they're doing with The Fiend, it's just kind of getting really weird. Weird is putting it mildly. Well, just, I mean, at this point, like, have the I'm, payoff. I'm there for it. Yeah. It's it's a good buildup for me, but it's like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, yeah. wouldn't it have made sense? The lights go red. You know, all of a sudden, like, the TVs start going off, and, like, it's images of Bray, and Randy peeks up, and he's like, oh, well, what, what's going on here? And yeah. then, boom, you know, he get gets rolled up. Like, instead, he got pinned clean, and then just RKO's people, and then walks out, and then nothing yeah it is just weird and then even monday night the follow-up with the papa shango throwback yeah <laughs> just uh, just yeah. Uh, everything about it yeah. but i will say the highlight for me for this match was aj styles yeah having omas rip the door off well, i just that's what i said yeah. I, to me that, that was, was cool. it that was cool but like yeah but it didn't make any sense it no. literally didn't like if that would have been you ripping the pod because drew was down yeah and was the last guy in the ring and you're like he, you know, he just got arcade-o'd. He's not going to get up. Like, I need to get in this. And, and the pod's, like, minutes away from opening. Mm-hmm. That then rip the thing yeah. off because you want to get in the ring. But it was literally you're, you're entering 
only one person had been eliminated by that point. Yeah. Sheamus was still in his pod. You gain no advantage. Well, and, and, and towards the end of the match, they started telegraphing the end, at least what we thought was going to be the end, mm-hmm. because Sheamus started beating the holy hell out of Drew McIntyre. So it's like, oh, they're working to eliminate Drew and take the belt off of him. And then who, who was the third one left? Was it AJ? Yeah. yeah. And then AJ starts attacking Sheamus, and I'm like, Okay, I see how this is going. Drew's going to retain. Yeah, like I said, I mean, for me, that was the only highlight. Like, everything else is kind of pretty much I mean, wash, Kofi, rinse, repeat. Kofi's yeah. mic work, or lack of mic work, when he was in the pod <laughs> yeah. was fucking his, amazing. His pod work? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh I see those legs. You've been squatting? I see them oh quads. Can, yeah. we, can we mic up Kofi for, like, everything? I'm okay with that. That was I, great. I, I'm perfectly but fine. But, I mean, that's, you know what, though, in a crowdless environment, yeah. I bet you those guys... You know, need that little reprieve, you know? I mean, yeah. we, we saw it at, what was it, the Royal Rumble match where Charlotte got, got eliminated and then was cracking up laughing. Yeah. Yeah. So, it just goes to show, I mean, they're making the best of the situation, but this one was just pretty much wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. Like, nothing yeah. nothing really stood out too much, until, except the ending. Yeah, until. Yeah, until the, the cage got lifted, Drew's kind of laying in the ring. Bobby Lashley comes out and starts attacking him. Uh, looks real strong. Looks real yeah. strong, beating the holy hell out of him. And the announce team's going, oh, he's doing this because he lost the United States Championship and he's mad. And I had even tweeted, uh, I wonder if Bobby Lashley came to play. There certainly is a price to pay because I had put two and two together. Uh, but, that equals four, by the way. Yep. Uh, Mrs. Well Mu- Music hit. Came in, cashed in his Money in the Bank briefcase, uh, attempted to hit him with something. I don't even know what that was. And then hit him with a skull-crushing finale. One, two, three. Miz is your new and new WWE championship. Uh, in case anyone's curious, Miz girl, real happy. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that somebody reached out to her, tracked her down, and she, she said that her opinion of him has changed very much in the last 10 years. And she said he's a great heel champion. I, I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, I wasn't exactly like... You just you knew that it was going to have to happen at some point. Like, yeah. Well, and I and I knew that. And what better than having Drew in the yeah. elimination chamber match? Yeah. yeah. I I, he, I knew going into tonight that at least one of the belts was going to have to change, because as great as it would have been to see Edge face Finn or even Pete, I didn't think it was going to happen. You know, as great and as awesome as that would have been, I was just like, listen, this is Vince booking. Vince ain't going to do it. Right. So he's going to go up against Roman or Drew. I go, who, I go, one of these belts, whoever he, whoever they've got him penned in to face, one of these belts is going to have to change. Mm-hmm. And once Roman retained and Edge came out, I'm like, well, Drew's dropping that belt in some fashion. I don't know how, but he's going to do it. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting setup for Mania because, I mean, earlier in the night, Edge speared Roman and did the point to the sign so that confirmed the match. I was like, yeah, I was like, wait, did he confirm it? I, I couldn't tell by all the fireworks. Yeah. Right. And so now with Miz being champion, it kind of opens up the door for what's going to happen next. But they yeah. are saying Lashley is going to get his title shot yep. for doing the dirty work either on next Monday or where I'm saying is Fastlane. Yeah, and I got to give credit to the internet wrestling community who dug up the old footage from March of 2020 or whatever it was. That up. Where MVP was in the ring, mm. I think it was like right after WrestleMania where he, or a couple of weeks after WrestleMania, and he goes... When you eventually lose the belt, I'm going to be the one personally responsible for it. And in the end, he was. Yeah, yeah I I was going to bring that up because I thought that was great. I mean, that was awesome. I mean, not that they had that planned out March of 2020 because let's face it, booking is by the seat of their pants. Mm-hmm. But it's very cool that especially these days. Yeah, yeah, it was just very cool that that line was out there and somebody remembered it and could capture it and be like, hey. This was said, so it almost makes WWE look smarter than they actually are. 
Yeah, so a lot of questions are going to be getting answered for the road to WrestleMania under 50 days away. Yeah. So we'll definitely have to stay tuned for that. And we were we had said that this was the last pay-per-view on the WWE Network. We were incorrect. It is Fastlane that is yep. the uh, going to be simulcastly broadcasted on both uh, because they're, they're a little paranoid that the NBC platform might not be ready for the traffic just yet. So this is going to be simulcasted. I don't and then I don't understand that if it was Mania, but Fastlane, really? Yeah, well, they, want, they want to test it out. And make yeah, sure they want to, right. yeah, because Ma- Mania is the test. Well, Mania is going to be exclusively NBC. Yeah, so if it was going to have any bugs to get worked out, this is the one to do it. Right. Yeah, because otherwise, <laughs> you mentioned that crash turned WrestleMania. Oh my god, like it dude. has every year on the network. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we're hoping NBC has where work. where we we end up watching and we eventually have to like turn our phones off so we don't see spoilers because of the lag. Let's put the good karma out. Put the good karma out. Hey, my, ma- my mania hasn't been bad when I've broadcast on the network, but that's just me. Yeah, I'm not well, gonna not gonna you know we gotta be putting that good energy out for your WrestleMania because I don't want anything flawed to happen. I want to see a good card. I want to see you don't two want, days. So you don't want Sami Zayn getting hurt? No, I don't want to see Sami. Hey, he's Zane got documentaries hurt. filming. He better not. He does. I'm excited that about was that. Fu- too, that, was fucking, that was fucking amazing. So we'll definitely have to wait to see what happens there. But let's talk about the Elimination Chamber, shall we? Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH, or hashtag ODPH. Oh, 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 don't you have a big announcement that was made today? I do, and I actually want to bring it up next segment to kick off Round in the Bases. Okay, so it deserves its own moment. It, it's it, pretty big. It does. It's game-changing. It's game-changing. Or so some people have been telling us. So let's have that discussion first about the WWE offline, and then we'll just jump back in next segment and talk a little AEW. Stay tuned. You're listening to the ODPH Podcast. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book, Book of Lies, the podcast, where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies Podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Time to talk some local minute. Yeah, so we've got to talk some Binghamton Devils. Uh, they did play a couple games this past week. Uh, on Wednesday, they lost to the Hershey Bears by the final score of 2-1. to one. Uh, And then Saturday, they played the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, where they lost by the final score of 3 to nothing. Looking at their games they got this coming week uh, on Wednesday, February 24th, they play the Lehigh, Fan- Lehigh Valley Phantoms again, game time at 6 o'clock. Friday, February 26th, uh, they play the Hershey Bears game time seven o'clock, uh, and then Saturday, February 27th at 4 p.m., they again play the Hershey Bears. Uh, looking at the standings, they've taken a little bit of a slip, falling to fifth place in the North Division with a record of two and two with one shootout loss. Right in the thick of things, though, they've got five points total. Uh, first place is Lehigh Valley, which has only got seven points, so they're right in the thick of things. Uh, more information BinghamtonDevils.com. Coach, what you got? The Bulldogs uh, are announcing roster uh, signings right now after their uh, one-week training camp. They have Ooh. announced three players. One being uh, yourself? Yeah. yeah. No, no. Uh, so far, uh, Jordan Pryor, uh, uh, Peyton Dean, and Ralph Williams okay. are the announced uh, signings of the Binghamton Bulldogs. So, obviously, more to be announced as the week goes on. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Probably Facebook active and uh, on their Twitter account or uh, BinghamtonBulldogs.com. Yeah, safe bet to go there. I mean, obviously local sports are coming back yeah. slowly but surely. Yeah. They're happening going yep. on. 
Well, I want to save my big announcement for last. So, okay. Okay. Pat, why don't you lead off round in bases? Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't have anything for sports other than fuck the Houston Astros, but that's obvious. Yeah. Uh, a couple of entertainment things. Uh, one, uh, I'm very excited for. It was announced that Superman, the animated series, is going to be added to HBO Max in March. Lovely. Super excited for that. Uh, it was three. It came on in the airs uh, airwaves Kids WB back in 1996. Uh, three seasons, 54 episodes, uh, featured Tim Daly as Clark Kent, also featured Clark Clancy, I forgot about this one. Clancy Brown is Lex Luthor. Yeah. Great series. Definitely highly recommend it. I woke up many of Saturday mornings just to be able to watch that show. So did I. As great as... 10 a.m. I believe it aired. Uh, I believe you're right. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Batman animated series, still number one uh, for like cartoon superhero theme songs. Still the king. Still the king. Superman number two for me. There's just did so- a great job. There's just, so- there's just yeah. something about it that's really awesome. Uh uh, during the television upfronts today, Paramount uh, had a whole bunch of this because Paramount Plus is launching uh, on March 4th, I believe it is. I won't go into everything, but there's a lot of exciting stuff, a lot of returns. Uh, if you're fans of some shows that are coming back, definitely check out some of the variety and the rap and deadline you know, for some recaps. But one that jumped out to me and I was very excited for... Uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, the animated series, which if you have not watched, you should. Uh, it's on Netflix. It is the one of the best cartoons of all time. Uh, the franchise is getting even bigger. Nickelodeon is launching Avatar Studios. I'm reading from the article on Deadline. Uh, they're launching Avatar Studios, a division designed to create original content spanning animated series and movies based on the franchise's world. The original creators and executive producers, Michael DiMartino and Brian uh Konetsko will run the studio as co-chief, uh, co-chief creative officers, reporting to Ramsey Naito, president of Nickelodeon Animation. Uh, Avatar Studios will produce content for platforms including Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon, as well as third-party platforms and theatrical releases. The first project is, in, is an animated theatrical film that is set to start production later this year. So, super excited for this, and, and it's almost poetic because the god-awful M. Night Shyamalan movie comes out. They make Legend of Korra, which is very good. Mm. Things fall through with the whole Netflix deal and the Netflix live adaptation, and then they go out and make a whole goddamn studio for the show. So I'm super excited for that. Definitely keep your eyes out for that. Uh, we'll note that we did get some pricing for Paramount Plus since it's launching in like a week or so, and we didn't really know. Uh, spoiler alert, if you have CBS All Access, it's no different. Uh, ad-supported version is going to be $4.99 a month, uh, and then premium is going to be $9.99 a month. So super excited for that. And a whole bunch of stuff they announced with Paramount Plus that I'm super excited for. Yeah, it's another streaming service. going to have a tough tough battle to yeah. make its way. But yeah. they're loading up content. Yeah, I loading mean, up content. I mean, that's a good thing about it. Yeah. Uh, switching over to some more streaming stuff, I'm super excited for this. we got a release date for the next, uh, I guess, continuation of the Clone War series. The spinoff series, Bad Batch, uh, is re- releasing appropriately on May 4th uh, on Disney+. Plus, So super excited for that. Definitely going to be checking that out. Uh, sticking with Star Wars, uh, it was announced that uh, Star Wars Republic Commando, which was a game released in 2005 on the original Xbox and uh, PC only, is g- finally getting a, its own release on PlayStation 4 Nintendo Switch. For, uh, mm. First-person shooter game set during the prequel era films. A lot of fun. A lot of fans. One of their favorite games of all time. I've never got the chance to play it because, I, like I said, never had an Xbox. So that is coming on April 16th, I believe, and it's only going to be $15. Uh, so I'm super excited for that. And then lastly, uh, with the video games, 
sticking it to Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. Uh, PlayStation has announced uh, for its Play at Home initiative that it's offering select games and entertainment for free uh, from March through June. Uh, first up in March, the 2016 Ratchet and Clank video game that's based off of the movie or the movie's based off of it. I don't know. It's confusing. Go back and watch the whole marketing campaign. Uh, Pass Ratchet and Clank. I don't know. It will be free <laughs> for all PlayStation 4 and 5 owners throughout March, including players who do not have a PlayStation Plus subscription. Now, the thing I they note is Sony says, quote, once you redeem the game, it is yours to keep with no time limit attached. So once you, down, once you download this thing, it's yours forever. That's insane to me. Oh, yeah. It's a good deal. It's a fun game. It, you know, if you're if you're a fan of platforming, you know, and some of that old, you know, PlayStation 2 platforming, this is definitely the game for you. It's a lot of fun. It's got replay value, you know, because there's New Game Plus and you can just keep going through. You know, you'll definitely get some fun out of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, free games, you can't go wrong with that. No. And, I, and I know you're a big Ratchet and Clank yeah. guy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's on the shorter side for Ratchet and Clank games than what I'm used to, but it's still a lot of fun, and it's everything you expect. Can't go wrong with that. Nope. Coach? Yeah, in the NBA, with the All-Star game coming out, I know that uh, we had talked about, you know, a little controversial that they're going to be doing an All-Star game, and the starters were, I believe, announced last week. So it, it will be Team LeBron versus Team Durant. Uh, starters include Giannis Antetokounmpo, Bradley Beal, Steph Curry, Luka Jonkic, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, Nikolai Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. Okay. Followed by the reserves of Jalen Brown, Anthony Davis, who was actually replaced today for Devin Booker, who should have been in the game. Yeah, I was going to say should have been from the jump. Uh, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, James Harden, Zach Levine, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Ben Simmons, Jason Tatum, Nikolai Vokovic, and Zion Williamson. And I left the best. For last, let yeah. him know, coach. The Knicks, baby, have an all star. Julius Randle is named an all star as rightfully deserved. Who got MVP chance last night? Damn right, he did, even though they, in a losing effort, deserves uh, very much so because this team is hovering around 500 because of his play. Also, I gotta say, Zion's gotta stop teasing us. He has teased being in the dunk contest, which, god damn it, man, don't tease me like that. Yeah, I mean, we had enough with LeBron flirting with the idea. I, I, if God Zion, damn, God damn him. If Zion doesn't do it, that would be depressing. But, alas, the Knicks have an all-star as well-deserved in Julius Randle. It was very, I mean, ho- holding our breath because a lot of, you know, uh, pundits and experts uh, outside the TNT broadcast who had Julius Randle uh, unanimously in their uh, reserves uh, had left Randall off the list. So I held my breath Tuesday um, at the announcement. So very exciting news that he made the team. It was very exciting to hear fans in the stadium. Yeah, it was nice having, you know, I mean, obviously, and that's a great game to have fans back for. I mean, obviously, the referees kind of took away from the play on the court, yeah. which is, you know, always upsetting. But, you know, the Knicks had a great effort. And, you know, I know we haven't touched much basketball because it's kind of, you know, quiet for the most part. But, I mean, I'm very happy with this Knicks team. Uh, Tom Thibodeau is, is doing a fantastic job, was the right guy to, that deserved the job. Probably should have had it two years ago, but, you know, whatever. Uh, Mike Woodson's doing great, and the guys that they brought in, you know, as far as the assistant coaches have been fantastic too. So the coaching staff is great, and the play on the court's not been bad. So um, very exciting. And they won the Prozingis trade. So Yes, we, who ironically is getting shopped around now. Yeah. Love it. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Well, allegedly. apparently, I mean, the rumor is Golden State's been heavy in the market for him, um, which would probably be a great place for him to go and would make a lot of sense to pair him with Draymond, uh, you know, and Steph Curry and have a, a third option uh, that team desperately needs. And a big, you know, force in the paint. I mean, obviously it would take away minutes from Wiseman, but 
you know, he's a rookie, so. I did, yeah. I did not realize he, until the other day I saw a stat because Draymond got ejected in a game the other night. I did not realize how long he has been in the league yeah. <laughs> until I saw that stat. Like, I mean, Draymond Green has been ejected like X number of times since he entered the league in like 2012, 2013. I'm like, is it really? Dude, Steph is going on year 13. Jesus. Like, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just glad the Knicks won that trade. And I just, you know, I just remember the day finding out he was traded. I was shocked, dismayed, you know, completely just awry. I mean, it's two, two years yeah. as of yesterday, I think, that the trade happened. So it's just awesome to look back and knowing the Knicks won a trade for once. Yes. After being fleeced for Andre Bargnani. We're coming back. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I mean, Slowly but surely. Hey, right. you know what? Trust the process. Exactly. Trust the rose. It, yeah, it just, trust the rose. It, it just takes 15, 20 years. That's fine. I was we've been so the Knicks have been down for so long. I'll take slow. I'll take a slow rebuild. Yeah, you know. I mean, listen. The Porzingis trade was step one. Step two is drafting RJ Barrett. Step three will be not having to sign Julius Randle to a max deal so they can have money. But I mean, it's not looking very promising to not do that. And uh, hopefully moving on from Alfred Payton and uh, Emmanuel quickly emerging as a superstar. Yeah. Now, all these things just can magically happen. Yeah, pieces are in place. I, tr- I yeah. trust Leon Rose. That, that's all I say. It's like, whatever he's doing, keep doing it. And now they've got, you know, the Dallas pick, which is going to be a top 10 pick, mm-hmm. which it wasn't supposed to be when the trade happened. Everybody was like, oh, the Knicks got two first rounders. <laughs> you know, we were laughed at. Oh, Two first that Dallas pick's gonna be like the thirtieth pick. Well, not anymore. Yeah. So what now? That's right. Look at us now. Exactly. Hey, hey, look at us. Look just, at us. Just look at us. Just look at us. Yeah. All right. So for my bases, uh, one gotta talk a little UFC action. This oh pa- yeah, we right. do. This past weekend, the biggest upset according to Vegas in five years. Okay. Derek Lewis. Fuck. National treasure. My God. Uh-huh. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Said, said Texas and Houston got as cold as it did because he left. Yes. <laughs> if your balls left. If you're not following him on social media, you need to. You uh, Just epic sound bites left and right. Was taking on one Curtis Blades in a top five heavyweight bout. Yep. Uh, Blades, I believe, was number two. Lewis was number four, and Lewis was a plus 350 underdog yeah, for this I, fight. I mean, I went into this fight thinking that Blades' wrestling would be able to to muster some sort of uh, slowing down of Lewis, but nope. No, Blades got knocked out in an uppercut in the second round. Dude, that was – and so, I I mean, I'm, I had – Aaron and I had a, a nice little date night, and I was like, listen, I want to watch this main event because I knew the ramifications of what it could mean. So I was like, I want to see this. I, and Lewis just looked so – and. You know, I texted you guys. I was like, "Damn, he just looks disinterested." And I know you were guys. You guys were doing the the broadcast, oh, so um, I was like, "Damn, he looked so disinterested." And I didn't want to like say that and mean it in any way, but you could just tell by his body language. And then the knockout happened, and I was like, "Redacted." Didn't mean to say that, but then you know, his post fight press conference, he was like, "I couldn't warm up," and I was like, "Yes, I I was right. He didn't look into it." Yeah, he definitely didn't look. Normal Derek Lewis. Yeah, like normally he is energetic. Like I was talking to my buddy at work, and I was like, he's normally way more energetic and and lively and with his hands and stuff. And he was very back on his heels. You know, obviously I know the takedowns were a threat, but like 
even when Blades was like throwing hands, like Lewis normally would then look for opportunities to mix up, and he was backpedaling a little bit more than usual. Yeah, Blades was, you know, obviously number two contender. This was a big fight for him, and I, he came out aggressive. I mean, I, but I think he got stifled a little bit by Lewis. Maybe he was expecting something else from Lewis out the gate. Yeah. But that's the one scary thing about Derek Lewis. He has that much power, he can knock you out at any point. At any point. And the thing is, people go, okay, he's going against a wrestler. He's going against a guy jiu-jitsu. Oh, he's going to be in trouble. Lewis is that one anomaly. I always refer to him as like Robert Whitaker. Right. Is a guy that you don't think is going to win a fight because X, Y, and Z. And he winds up pulling a W out. So this fight, no exception. Lewis, Dude, as soon as he gets his hands on you, yeah, if he lands any shot clean, you're yeah. feeling it. And I want to say, I think it was Chael Sonnen who brought this point up. When he fought Francis Ngannou, and Ngannou has just been bull rushing everybody, right? And and swinging. It was either Sonnen or Shab. I can't remember who. Either way, they were saying like Francis Ngannou. The only fight he's never ran at a guy to swing at was Derek Lewis. That's how much he respects his power, right? That is enough of a cosign if you need to know what Derek yeah. Lewis is all about. I mean, listen, I, I the, the fight before he fought, you know, somebody who was the jujitsu mm. who took him to the ground, had him on the ground, was able to dominate the first, you know, probably round and a half until Lewis stood up, you know, and caught a couple few good punches, and I think he landed a kick that inevitably knocked him out. Yeah. Um, you know, I you I don't know what you can do to this man. You know, like I mean. Other than getting him to the ground and then just laying on him and just landing shots, because if you can't get him to the ground, you try and stand up with him. You better keep your distance. Absolutely. So huge win for Derek Lewis. Got to see what happens now. Obviously, we know Miosic and Ngannou are going to be dancing a little later this year. Yep. And then who knows? He might be uh, somewhere in facing the loser of that match because John Jones has already been guaranteed he's going to fight the winner. And I was I was like, no way that Dana is going to give John a world heavyweight title fight right uh, away. I, I mean, there's too many good top contenders that I just didn't think that John would get, you know, a title shot right away. No. Like, I thought he would get the winner of this fight was I, what know, I thought. That's the, that's what I think he should do, and I think Derek Lewis should get on social media and call well, him Well, I mean, he already, you know, um, Bisping on the commentary was like, hey, you know, John Jones's name's been thrown out there as moving up to heavyweight, you know, and, and what do you think about that? And he was like, you know, Derek Lewis being Derek Lewis was like, yeah, I see you, John. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, and then obviously Dana White comes out and says, no, you know, John's being fast-tracked. Like, I understand, you know, John's pedigree and, and and everything, and, you know, he deserves to be in the upper echelon, but it's like when you have such, heavy, you know, such top contenders that are all legit, I mean, from, you know, Miocic to Naganu to Lewis to uh, Blades, you know, those were all legitimate guys that were all legitimate contenders to then be like, you know, just let John move up. It's different than the light heavyweight where there's nobody. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, Adesanya moving up is a gift yeah. to the UFC because without him, there is nobody there to challenge uh, Blahovitz. Like at least with, uh, you know, with at least John moving up, it's just another you know body in the heavyweight division, which is crazy because the heavyweights have been depleted for so long. Yeah, now they're restacked, and now it's it, it's really fun to watch to see how this is all going to play out. So yeah, I'm excited to see how the, they're going to do the fight making about this because you never know. Like Dana could change his mind, and the powers that be at the uh, UFC could change their mind yeah, too. Yeah, I, I mean, when him with him going to the press with it, yeah, the, I don't think there's anything Dana hates more. Than you know, giving a statement and then being called out for changing his mind. Yeah, so we just got to wait and see about that. Uh, some other MCU news uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about earlier: Spider-Man No 
Way Home is the official mm-hmm. title for the Spider-Man uh, third movie. Correct. Yep. Coming out. So thoughts on that, gentlemen? Uh, interesting title. It sticks with kind of the vibe they're going with. The, you know, first movie, Homecoming. The second one, Far From Home. No Way Home. You know, so I, I dig it. I'm excited to see it. I know fans are already, you know, combing over the promotional images that have been, you know, released. So, uh, but I'm excited. Yeah, I, um, you know, it's just a title. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not like. You know, it, yeah. I mean, I know it has a meaning to it, but it's like, it's just a movie title. It, it so. is what it is. Yeah. I'm kind of just waiting to see a trailer at some point. I know we're a ways away from that, but that's when I'm really going to start paying attention. Yeah. I, I, I'm even just a tease. I mean, they released some images today, which has me kind of excited because there's one point with the three of them staring at a mirror. Yeah. Which, what does that mirror mean? You know, like what is portrayed in that mirror? Does There's a shadow in one of the photos, and the internet's going nuts over who the shadow is. Yeah, I yeah. mean, does the mirror portray Tom Holland as one of the other Spider Mans? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? We'll just have to wait and see about that. But we got at least got that confirmation, and we did get confirmation that Loki is going to be hitting Disney Plus July 11th. So yep. you have to wait to see how that pans out. But the big news that I was talking about the game changer in the land of professional wrestling, <sighs> AEW. Huh? Via their press release, they sent to us, to quote, as 2021 shapes up to be the year for AEW's biggest shows yet. No. Today, the promotion has announced that wrestling legend Paul White. Whoa. 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 Has signed a long-term deal. Oh, my God. Another universally regarded name to AEW's roster of stars, legend, and upcoming talent. That will put butts in the seats. White will have an extensive role with AEW. On top of his return to the ring, he will serve as a commentator. On AEW's newest show, AEW Dark Pad, Elevation. Wake up. Pad, wake up. We're Pad, talking about. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, so, that's, that's brutal. Yeah. So there's going to be a new AEW show on YouTube, Monday at 7 p.m. Uh, according to the press release, it will showcase AEW's established and rising stars as well as the top independent wrestlers within the industry. Weird, Competing- they're still not willing to go at eight, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Competing against each other in the ring in pursuit of wins. That's kind of an odd way to say it, but well, wins matter. Wins matter in AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen. There's just there's a guy out there. He was a free agent. He's just trying to get his licks in the business. Yeah, and they're willing to give him a shot. You know, and they're only thing missing from this is a belt he can drop into the garbage can. Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to give a guy on you know on uh, on the upswing like Paul White, who has many years in the wrestling business ahead of him. You know, a chance. This is the company of the youth. This is the youth movement. You know. Yeah, I mean, this is a good signing in the sense of he will help the big men of AEW. Yeah, like I saw yeah. that take. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's good for the behind-the-scenes stuff and the teaching and the you know passing on knowledge and stuff. Everything else, who fucking cares? Well, yeah. that's the whole thing. I think he signed to fight Shaq, which I think you've, they've already telegraphed March 3rd. Hello, who's going to be running to help Sh- Co- or, uh, Kobe or uh, Cody? Cody with? I'm sorry. I, listen, I for me, and I, you know, this is what I put on Twitter, like, if – he wanted to be commentating. WWE already has, you know, the uh, people comp like that. That's that, already booked. Like, there's yeah. no, there's no room. So, if he wanted to do that and wanted to continue his career, I understand this move. But I don't want to see him in the ring. Mm-hmm. I no. don't want to see him paired with somebody because AEW does that shit too much. Yeah, that it's just lost its value, and I don't want to see him. You know, doing any, like, I, I just want to see him commentate. Like, if you want to commentate, I'm good with it. 
but I don't want to see you doing all the other stuff. I have zero interest in seeing Marco Stunt versus The Big Show. <sighs> I mean, listen, Marco's excited because uh, he did tweet out, quote, what, and this is, everything on this is in all caps, what, with about 33, I counted them, exclamation points and question marks, how could you hide this from me? I just peed myself, holy shit, and then H-A-H-D-J- uh, H-A-H-D-J-F-M-T and it's a whole bunch of letters mixed together with about another 30 exclamation I points. just don't give a shit. I don't No, I don't, I don't either. Like, don't get me wrong. Commentary, sure. Behind the scenes in like a producer role or like an instructor role, sure. But to me, seeing him in the wrestling ring at this point is going to be like watching Chuck Liddell fight at this point. Oh. It's, it's awful to oh. see and I don't want to see it. Oh. Tough, Pat. Ouch. Ouch. That's Accurate a take. comparison, though. It is. It is. That's a take, though. It, it definitely is. I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, he's been doing part-time wrestling for so long now that, listen, it's not a needle mover. It's no, not a game changer. The fact that the internet was running with it and thinking, like, oh, they got one over on WWE. Look, I don't think this is in the same vein as when Chris Jericho left because, at this point, AEW wasn't established. Right. And so when Jericho left, it was a big deal. Now, I'm sorry, we've almost come on, what, two years of AEW now? Like, they get, if they got, like, Cena, that's a move. Yeah. Like, if they sign John Cena, the guy who is WWE through and through, carried the banner, did the whole thing, that would be a Hogan leaving WWE, or WWF at the time, signing with WCW, that would be that kind of move. Paul White leaving, a guy who had been, off of television for the last nine months. Yep, I was saying I just looked up on ProfiteDB.com. His last uh, match was on a Monday Night Raw against Randy Orton uh, in an unsanctioned match uh, on July twentieth of twenty twenty. Yeah, I yeah. mean it, it's not it's not game changing enough. I mean, like I said, for AEW you just celebrated Whoa, was two that years. Right, nine months. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Like I like I say, good job me for being two years in a company like. I, I don't see how this is going to really be a game changer for you. Yeah, like, he, it I just mean, isn't. No, it's not. I mean, he had a brief run. I'm looking because I'm looking at his profile on ProfiteDB.com. He had a brief run uh, from January, you know, the first half of uh, 2020. Prior to that, his last match was on a SmackDown on November 20th of 2018. Yeah. So, like, like I said. The guy's 49 years old. His best years are behind him. You're not going to get any six and a half stars matches out of the guy no you're not gonna get anything worth listen and i don't care if you're in the tokyo dome or not. sting now this like it's just wcw yeah 2. You, I, I mean you just you talk about being the youth movement and then you're bringing in we're these the, guys we're the alternative if you've been turned off for wrestling for a lot of years we're the ones to bring you back but first we're gonna bring back all the guys that are old and basically well, that, retired. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. You say one thing and you talk another. Like that, It's one of the aggravating points of AEW that you don't have an established identity. You're trying desperately on one end to be WCW 2.0. Yep. And then when you have new talent, you're not doing anything with them. Like, why is Other it, than sticking them on a YouTube show yeah, on Monday night. nobody's watching. Yeah. So... I mean, I, your, your big draws are Sting, who is 61 years old. Yeah. Chris Jericho, who is 50... And then also you've just brought in Paul White, who, as we mentioned, just turned 49 this month. Yeah. Sorry, no. Yeah, it's nothing really to move a needle, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. But like I say, for how some internet fans are acting about it, pump your brakes. Yeah, good for him for extending his career, though. Yeah, good. For, I mean, good for yeah. him. I'm not, I'm not mad they signed him, but this is not the game changer that some are trying to make this out to be. No. Look, if they really want to compete, go get CM Punk. Yeah. 
that's the only free agent that you guys can go get. Meanwhile, you flip the coin. WWE signs Ty Valkyrie. Ty Valkyrie, yep. Parker Bordeaux, yeah. Uh, Steiner, Eli Drake. Eli Drake, Steiner's kid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're signing talent that can go on TV right now that can really contribute. I mean, nothing against the big show. He has an amazing career, 22 years with WWE. Sure. body of work. But at this stage in the game, it's not enough to really get that wow factor other than you got a quick headline. And where you go from here, I'm already telling you, he's going to run in on that match on with uh, Cody and, and, Shaq. and Shaq. Yep. And that tag match. He's going to be the game changer because that's the match the internet apparently wants to see. And then maybe at the pay-per-view, they have their one-on-one match finally. Who knows? Who cares? Like, that's kind of the reaction I got about it. Yep. So... AEW Dynamite tonight should be pretty interesting to watch. So definitely I'll be doing some live tweeting about that. So that all being said, we gave you an extended version of the ODPH podcast. So I'm just going to sum it up like this. You want to find out everything that's going on with the great music you hear on the show. You want to go check out the directory, which has friends of this show. Organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. Our T Public store. Our friends, they're in amazing pod groups that, listen, if you're not on Pod Chaser and you claim you're in a pod group, you just ain't in a pod group. So shout out to Pod Nation, shout out to Legion Independent Podcasts, shout out to the Alternate Reality Radio Podlift team, shout out to the Podlifts, and of course, shout out to Hashtag 6 Podcast and 8122 Productions for everything they're doing. All that, so much more you can find at OchoDuroParleyHour.com, because that's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Good night, and it was Agatha the whole time. For the one only Pat one J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast. We'll see you next time. Yeah.